Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, we got a series now, don't we? The Utah Jazz are playing the Clippers tonight at 8 o'clock. If the Jazz win, they're up 3-1 and they come home and try and close it out Wednesday night. If the Clippers win, it's 2-2. We hit reset and it's the best 2 out of 3 series. I expected when the series started, and I told PK this, I think they'll split the first two games, and then they'll go to L.A., and they'll split the next two games. It won't shock me if this is 2-2. I think this is going to be a long series. It's a little hard to believe that after watching the way the Jazz shot and won game two, but the Jazz, by percentage, were the third-best three-point shooting team in the league in the regular season. The number one team was the L.A. Clippers. So the Jazz shot her really well in game two. The Clippers shot her really well in game three. It's not a crazy take, and those of you who watched a lot of sports know and probably think, hey, both these teams are good enough to have a great game shooting the ball and win. Somebody is probably going to have, and a longer series is going to have a lousy game. So it's easy to see the series getting, each team in the series getting two wins. Now, what do you do to get the other two wins? How do you get to four? How do you advance? That's the real trick. So, see what happens tonight. Momentum will be on the Clippers' side, man. If they are down 0-2 and tied up 2-2 in back-to-back series, you know what they're thinking. You know what they are thinking. And is Donovan Mitchell healthy? <clears throat> we saw him limp off. The Jazz didn't want to put him back in the game. How much of that is because of what a trainer or a doctor said? And how much of that was just Quinn looking at the scoreboard? Donovan said, well, I was looking at the scoreboard. Now, he also said after Game 2 that uh, his ankle was fine. You know, I got hit, it hurt, I'm fine. Did you see me walk in here? You want me to do sprints for you? But then he's taking himself out of game three. You know, and the funny thing is the Clippers have done all this stuff defensively, right? They're they're double teaming him, blitzing him whenever possible. And I know it worked for a while. I mean, he had a scoreless first quarter, right? But Joe had 11, and the Jazz were only down four. And then Donovan scores 30 points in the next 29 minutes. And he didn't play all 29 minutes. But he had 16 in the third, or excuse me, 16 points at halftime after having none in the first quarter. And then game three, after having 16 at the half, he finishes with 30, but he leaves the game with seven minutes to go and goes up to the tunnel locker room and doesn't play again. So I don't know that the Clippers have any answers for him. He was getting stuff in transition. He was getting stuff when someone else started the offense. He was beating that double team and getting stuff. I mean, the guy had 30 points, and he didn't score in the first quarter and didn't score in the last seven minutes. So... Can they get Bogey going? I mean, that was the guy whose offensive production was down. That was offset because Joe had a really had a really good game, scored it a lot. Clarkson is having a pretty good series. Um, and let's face it, they didn't lose that game at the offensive end of the floor. They lost that game because the Clippers shot over 50% from the floor. They shot over 50% from three, and they scored 132 points. And I don't care who's playing. I don't care if it's a regular season or postseason. But if you tell me one team scored 132 points, I'm figuring they win 99.9% of the time. Every once in a while, you get a crazy shootout, you know, and somebody's going to win 140-135, but those games are very rare. I think the Jazz won in the Memphis series. Didn't they win like 142-131 or something like that? Those games are very rare. You give up 132 points, you lose. The Jazz this year, 3-7 and seven in the regular season when they give up 120 points or more in regular season. 120 is a losing number. They were kind of a 500-ish team when they gave up 110. When they give up less than 110 points, the Jazz dominate. That's where it's at. Hold them under 110. You're trying to hold them to 25-point quarters. If you get 26, 27, it's not the end of the world. But that's what you're trying to do. And the Jazz didn't do it. You gave up 132 points, got blown out. So there you go. You knew they were in trouble. They'd given up, I think, what, 62 at halftime? They were in trouble. None of that matters. 
It's hard to beat a team three times in a row. They're up 2-1. You know, Quinn Snyder said before the series starts, we know what we want to do against the Clippers. We know what the percentages say. They won't always work, but if they work most of the time, then you got a chance to win the series. So they work most of the time, and they're up two games to one. If they can win two of the next three games and win in six, great. Now, that could set them up for short rest and quick turnaround against the Suns, but it's the price you have to pay. That's the way it goes. The Suns got it done. And i got to say, that was weird. Jokic getting kicked out for that? I saw that play. He hits campaign, right? He's, he's frustrated. He missed a shot. He thought it was fouled. The game's slipping away. They had it down to one, and now the, the, they had it down to one in the middle of the quarter, and now... A few minutes later, the Suns are starting to pull away again, and he's frustrated, and they're going to get swept. He knows they're going to lose, and they're probably going to get swept. And he just swings hard at the ball, and his, not, not his hand. His hand got the ball, but his upper arm catches campaign's face. And I bet that hurt. <laughs> and the NBA is really into protecting guys who get hit in the face. So I knew it was going to be a flagrant. I was surprised he was ejected. And I say, just look at J- J- uh, Jazz Game 3 with the Clippers. Jordan Clarkson takes a swing, misses the ball, does not get the ball, and gets Zubak's face. So he gets flagrant one. Now, it's almost the same thing, except in his defense, Jokic got the ball with his hand. But his upper arm bludgeoned campaign's face. So it's flagrant one. I'm surprised he was kicked out. The, the inconsistencies are maddening. It's crazy. All right, got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Quinn Snyder. So Jazz, get ready for game four. Stay with us. Well, look who made an appearance. Paul George! Kawhi Leonard! Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have some fight in them after all. Let's go! Our Utah Jazz look to leave Los Angeles up 3-1 after tomorrow night. In the lane, high off the glass and in, Donovan Mitchell. I will never back down! Game 4 tips off at 8 p.m. I will never back down! The Jazz Live pregame show begins at 7. I will never back down! On your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. I will never back down. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Game four tonight, 8 o'clock. What adjustments do the Jazz need to make? Here is Quinn Snyder meeting with the media on Sunday night. When we've had a couple of the guys now mention spacing as an issue in game three, and I'm sure or that's a result of the film session today. Um, mm-hmm. When you when you say that you want to have better spacing, in those instances, what are you seeing that you don't like? Is it the positioning of where the guys are, or is it really how far out from the basket they are? Well, uh, it's the relative to one another. Um, you know, if you're too far away the length of passes impact um for us usually it's you know in order to play pick and roll or to drive the ball um you know to make another pass to attack the blitz um all those things come into play um i think it 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 impacts us in, in a variety of ways if you know it doesn't allow us to attack the basket. Um, as I mentioned, if really in some respects, if you're spaced, um, it, it takes away, it takes away open shots because people are closer to you and easier to rotate or stun at the ball. Um, it's, it's for us something that has been crucial, you know, all year. I think I mentioned it after the game as well. Um, they're you know, more evident and particularly when, when you have a team, you know, like the Clippers that 
you know, can cover so much space on the floor. Um, you know, you have to be very, very conscious um, about contested shots or being able to drive to the basket. Um, just, it's, it's really impactful and we know how we want to space and we space differently, you know, depending on the situations, but, um, in every instance, that precision is something that that's really important. Ryan Miller, KS. Thank you. You've praised Donovan's ability to kind of make reads before. How has that growth helped him handling the new coverages the Clippers are kind of throwing out this series? Well, I, it's helped him. You know, I, I think people switch pick and roll coverages on in particular. They, um, they switch and then hit you off the ball. Um, that, that's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm talking so much about spacing. If people are going to commit two guys to the ball, you know, there's things he can do to, to split a double team or, or reject. Um, but I really, he, he didn't, he did a really good job um, last night in handling it that, you know, that, that us being able to, to score in those situations, you know, it, it's, it's all of us. And, and there were some times when, um, you know, I don't think it surprised him in any way he's, he's, he's gotten comfortable, like I said, with whether bigs are, you know, dropped in pick and roll or up at the point of the screen or switching or blitzing. Um, but we have to recognize those things as a team too, because it requires other guys to, to make different reads and make different plays. And, you know, that, that's when I talk about space and that's obviously one of the situations and, you know, uh, you could also just call it execution. You know, the, for us, when I, when I refer to spacing that, that that's a form of execution. Kevin O'Connor, the ringer. Hey, Quinn. Um, in the same way that Rudy Gobert, you know, forces the defense to collapse into the paint when he rolls hard to the rim, I'm curious, like, what's the effect of, like, Donovan Mitchell shooting deeper threes, um, drawing the defense out? Like, how does that impact the defense when he does that? Yeah, I think to the extent that, you know, his range has gotten to where it is, you know, it opens up the floor. Um, it creates driving lines for both him and for other players, um, you know, and th that's something um, that, you know, a number of our guys have, have range. It's again, um, you know, that's, that's, that's who, who we are. We've had success this year, you know, playing, you know, playing that way and um, being aggressive shooting the ball and, and also getting to the rim. I, I thought last night, you know, we, we shot a really poor percentage at the rim, much less than I think we have, you know, consistently. And, you know, I, I think, you know, some of that was um, maybe the Clippers speeding us up some when we were attacking and some of them were, you know, were some, some shots that, that just, we have to make. Um, but with, you know, with respect to, you know, range anytime, you know, people have to come out and guard you further away from the basket. You know, it gives you more opportunity to drive and create. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, when you guys have won six games in a row like you had going into game three, does it, does the success breed a little bit of complacency when you talk about needing to fix details? Do those things get lost or do you get better as you win six games? Well, I, I you know, I think it has to do with what your opponent does as well. You know, I, I, you know, our, our guys know the importance um, of every game. You know, I thought, you know, the, the Clippers really raised their level last game. Um, 
you know, at the end of the first quarter, we, we had, you know, an open look that we passed up and then and missed a little floater and then, um, which could have given us the lead and then had a breakdown defensively. I thought that that was deflating. And, you know, then I think they, they continued to pick up their level. And um, even in, you know, late, you know, we, we, we hung in there and, and hung in the game. So I, I thought, you know, that was good. I didn't think, um, obviously we were, you want to play better and you want to execute better. And that was some of the things that we looked at today. Um, but we had some crucial mistakes that, that we can't have against the team that, you know, it's as good as the Clippers are. And, um, and they played well, you know, they shot the ball real well. Um, we shot the ball all real well the game before that. It's all the other, you know, that, that are going to make the difference. Um, I think over a period of time and, you know, those details are, are things that, that we need to improve on. But, um, you know, to your point, you know, I think when you have success doing something, certainly, you know, you, you know, that that's, you know, the way you want to play and what you want to do. And, um, but the other team obviously has something to do with that too. No one blocks your putt when you're putting, you know, it, it's a little different when, you know, they're coming at you and, you know, they've got an excellent team. Lauren, that's Murray. Quinn, this, this is well off of this series, so my apologies in advance, but uh, you, were, you were a Clippers assistant way back, way back in the day, and most times it's not a great thing to bring up Clippers franchise history, but you, you came to the team, uh, you, you know, after they made the playoffs, and in your year with them, they made the playoffs again. Like, do you, do you ever look back on that year and, and you know, compare it to where you are now, and think about what that year had as an impact on your development as a coach. Yeah, I can, I can safely say that I didn't have, I won't say anything because maybe I did something that I'm not aware of, but um, I certainly wasn't the reason that the team made the playoffs. I can promise you that. Um, I think the, the best thing about that experience for me was just the, the relationships that, um, that were able to be formed, whether that be with, you know, Mark Jackson, for example, who was, you know, a player on the team. Um, Kiki Vandeway was on the team. There are a number of guys, Ron Harper, um, Danny Manning, all those guys that, that, that were, were really fun for me to be around. And then, you know, someone like R.C. Buford um, and John Hammond, who, who were on the staff, obviously always grateful to, to Larry Brown for, giving me that opportunity. Um, you know, I had a chance to, to know Elgin Baylor, which is, you know, an honor for me. So, um, the experience itself, I think was what I remember the most. Um, you know, I obviously, I was really learning and more than anything, just trying to absorb things, but, um, you know, it, it did play a role, you know, later on for me to, to choose to, to dive into this profession, um, you know, fully. And you know, that was something that, that I wasn't sure, uh, that I didn't know the exact direction. Sometimes I still wonder what I'm doing. Okay. We have time for one more Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, you were speaking after the game last night about the need to kind of speed up decision-making in some circumstances and, Donovan today was talking about the need for the team to kind of be able to adjust on the fly when they see something that they're maybe not expecting, like, you know, the zone in game two or the, the hard double team last night. How much can you guys resolve those 
decision-making issues just with, you know, film study like today and, and how much of it is just kind of an instinctive thing of, of being in the game and reacting to what's happening. Well, I, I think it's a little both. Um, you know, Donovan, Donovan's playing um, and competing at a level, um, particularly given the fact that, you know, that, that he's fighting through um, everything that, that he's been through physically in the last month. And um, Mike was a big part kind of instinctively of, of, of who we are. And, you know, in, in his absence, I, I think it puts um, even more responsibility on other guys. I, I, I don't think that that's something any one player do. You, you can recognize things, but um, it's, it's a five man game. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I've, I feel like we've done a good job of that um, throughout the course of this, of the series. I think defensively um, that, that we really didn't play at the level from an execution standpoint, um, you know, game three is, is, as we need to, and, you know, they were really aggressive um, trying to press to the ball and, and get us out of things and um, being able to have clarity, um, I think, provides you the opportunity to play with more force. So th- those are all things that I think are, are a constant, um, regardless of anything that's changing in any one game. You know, I, you know, I, I think we're playing against a, just an excellent team and, you know, whether it's over the course of a whole game or even an individual matchup, you know, having a feel and an understanding of personnel and how you're supposed to guard somebody individually as well as collectively, there's all those things go into it. And, um, you know, that's why you, you practice and you talk and you meet and you watch film. Um, that's, you know, that's the playoffs and, and the whole process together. There. There's Quinn Snyder meeting with the media last night as the Jazz get ready for game four tonight at eight o'clock. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post-game show, some real emotion after game three. We'll get to that next. Well, look who made an appearance. Paul George! Kawhi Leonard! Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have some fight in them after all. Let's go! Our Utah Jazz look to leave Los Angeles up 3-1 after tomorrow night. In the lane, high off the glass and in, Donovan Mitchell. I will never back down. Game four tips off at 8 p.m. I will never back down. The Jazz Live pregame show begins at 7. I will never back down. On your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. I will never back down. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We've been doing it all year. Best of the postgame show. There's some emotion after the Jazz dropped game three. Here are the Jazz after the game. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz lost to the Clippers on Saturday night, 132-106. to 106. They now uh, still lead the series two games to one uh, with game four coming your way from L.A. Uh, tonight. But let's dig right into it. Let's get things started with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, hey, Quinn, can you just um, – obviously the Clippers had a great shooting night tonight. What do you guys need to do different defensively going forward? Well, you know, I, th- I think they're – that's who they are, you know. And, and you know, give credit. I've, I've said it, you know, the last two games as well. You know, Kawhi and, and PG, you know, they're capable of, of really making making plays and they made plays for other people. Um, obviously, Batum had a really big night. Uh, I, I thought 
you know, you, there's going to be times where it's tough to stop them from, from making shots. Um, it, it's some of the breakdowns and, and the cleaner looks that they get. And particularly tonight, I, I thought in transition, um, you know, when we attack the basket, there's got to be urgency uh, to, to recognize that situation and really get back, you know, and, and show a crowd where they don't have clear, clear lanes to the basket. So I, I thought, you know, in spite of that, you know, I don't remember the exact sequence, but I thought we, we hung in, you know, and, and up until, you know, early in the fourth quarter, we had some, some empty possessions um, that, that really hurt us. But, you know, the game hadn't gotten away from us at that point. You know, we were, we were competing. Um, obviously, I, I, we weren't playing as well as we wanted to, uh, particularly on the defensive end, and that, that catches up to you. So, but they, you know, they played well. Um, you know, and, and they, they beat us. So got to regroup and learn from it. Um, you know, no, no different than when you win a game, you know, you want to, you want to use it and try to get better. And, you know, they were obviously really ready to play. I, I thought we came out of the gate, you know, focused and ready. And, um, we just didn't, didn't do some of the things we need to do from an execution standpoint, you know, that I was kind of referring to before the game too, that, that, that we need to do against the team, you know, of this quality. Tony Jones, the athletic. Coach, do you feel like uh, you guys play with enough force offensively, particularly against, you know, some of the things they did, did against you guys defensively in terms of, you know, trapping Donovan early or some of the physicality that they showed defensively? Well, to be honest, I think if you look at the possessions where they were doubling Donovan, um, we really got good looks. I thought he did a great job of getting off the ball when, when we needed to. And in some respects, you know, that's when we were spaced, you know, the best. We're, you know, when a team really picks up and gets into you, you have to attack them. Um, and when you do that, um, you're usually going to have to have to get off the ball quickly and, and, make quick decisions, whether that's, I mentioned it before, whether, you know, you shoot it when you're open and, you know, or pass it or drive it. And I, I thought, um, one, those decisions need to be better. And then also when we, you know, when we did have quick reads, you know, we had passes that weren't, you know, quite good enough to be able to shoot, you know, and the possession slows down and, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on Donovan to, to create. So, um, you know, but I, I thought we played with more force as the game went on. Um, you know, we really just needed to open up the floor and, and try to space and attack. Um, but as much as anything, you know, when you when you don't get stops at crucial times, um, it doesn't give us an opportunity to get out and, and get get the kind of looks you want. And like I said, I, I thought we had some some dead possessions offensively where we got up against the shot clock and some of that, you know, we'll see it. And I think there are things that we can do better. I think our guys know that. Last question, follow up from Sarah Todd. Well, I apologize for this. We were having some audio issues early on. Um, could you just tell us what the situation is with Donovan one more time? Yeah, he, he, he's fine. You know, he, he could have gone back in the game. You know, we were kind of borderline there depending on, you know, where the game was. And I just felt like, um, you know, it had gotten to about, I think, an 18-point lead with, you know, four or five minutes to play. And it just, 
it didn't make sense at that point, um, you know, to put him back in. And in fact, we, you know, we took our other guys out shortly thereafter as well. And there's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. He talked about the Donovan Mitchell uh, situation where Donovan did leave the floor briefly in the fourth quarter. Coach Snyder said he could have come back in. Coach decided uh, to keep him there on the bench as the game was out of reach there in the fourth. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Donovan Mitchell, they're saying, should be okay. And we'll get to Donovan a little bit later on in the postgame sound. But right now, let's get to Joe Ingles. Hey, Joe, uh, just curious. Just curious, um, you know, what was kind of the challenge with defending um, Paul George with the way that he played tonight? Um, I mean, the biggest difference was he, he made some shots. Uh, I think he's had a, I mean, he's had looks in other games, I think, um, and missed a couple. Um, obviously, um, them as a team made a lot more shots tonight than, than the, the games, I think. Part of that is on, on us being... Um, more physical and, and disrupting a little bit more, which, which we did in the first couple of games. Um, they came out <clears throat> obviously physical at the start of the game and, and try to play that kind of way throughout. So um, obviously a few things we can, we can look at on the film and, and figure out and see where they got some. We had a, a few rotations and, and things on defense that we, that we messed up, which we, which we weren't in the first game, uh, first two games. Sorry. Um, so We'll, we'll go like again, look at the film and um, figure out what, what, what we did and, and some of the mistakes. And um, same on the offensive end, what, what they did defensively. Um, they mixed up a few different things, which we, we hadn't seen in the series. And um, again, it's, it's a, a series of adjustments and then we'll go make some and I'm sure they will. And we'll, we'll come back in a couple of days. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. So you referenced them uh, mixing some things up defensively. You guys wound up with a negative assisted turnover ratio tonight. Can you kind of just take us through what some of those things were that they were doing that they gave you guys so many issues? Um, I mean, they just they, they turned it up with the physicalness and, and aggressiveness, I think. Um, the one that kind of stands out is that they, like the first possession of the game, Batum was picking me up and um, – I think we still scored off it, but it was it showed what they wanted to do for for the night, how they wanted to play. Um, the I think the the biggest difference, obviously, they they played a lot more small. They they didn't really play the the fives as much, and then um, the, the double teams with Donovan, the blitzing and the um, kind of a soft blitz when he got off the court over the half just to to get it out of his hands. Um, Donovan made some great reads off it. We we missed some shots. Um, but just those things, uh, we we hadn't seen them do that. Um, we were were still prepared for it, but we obviously didn't execute it. Um, it's kind of the thing I said at last game or the game before, or shoot around or something. Where we get usually get better at things as the game got on, and, and we didn't tonight. Um, so yeah, we'll go watch it um, again. It's a it's a long series. We'll we'll go and watch it and, and figure it out and come back and be better on the next one. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, uh, defensively, I mean, 132 points and it was only 93 possessions. Usually you guys are a lot better in kind of a half-court setup. Um, I, I, is it their spacing? Is it? I mean, is it just their ability to shoot from all these different positions? What is it that makes them so difficult to defend right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they – I don't know. You, I could be wrong and you can tweet I'm wrong if I am, but I, uh, I they felt like they made a lot more shots tonight um, in general, whether that be on the rim or, or threes. Um 
Reggie Jackson started the game like three for three, four for four, whatever he was. Um, obviously, PG and Kawhi kind of got theirs. Um, so I think it's, again, like for us to, I don't think we, we played soccer. Like they were aggressive. They, and we needed to do that on the other end as well, which we had been doing. Um, I don't know if they made shots and we kind of, not that we were like, it's not that you back up when they make shots, but you, they were making shots and we, we just weren't the same. We weren't aggressive. We weren't kind of dictating to them what we, what we wanted to do defensively. They kind of got downhill a bit more, got in the paint. I think coach at halftime said they had like six or seven offensive rebounds, which we'd been pretty good at. Um, so they made a couple of threes off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it starts kind of with them making shots, but, but that's on us as well. We can get a better closeouts. Not like I said, we, we messed up some rotations and some, some overhelp or whatever it was on some of them. Um, so we'll, again, we'll, we'll look at the tape. <laughs> we'll make some adjustments and, uh, and we'll come back. So. Last question, Maria from Time to Portis. Hi, Joe. Hope you're okay. You were just mentioning the word adjustments. So what do you think are going to be the keys to step up and get ready for Monday? Um, I'll let Coach answer that when he comes. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some, like I said, there's some obvious things. I think the first couple of games, they were kind of making the adjustments. They started big in the second game. Um, the obviously tonight the starting got went back starting small uh, again we're, we're really aggressive from from the jump ball and um i don't necessarily think we were on the back foot but we um they just did that for, throughout the game they were picking up trying to deny donovan getting the ball from from after they scored and things like that so we'll uh we'll look at it obviously um spacing wise i don't think we were great today we didn't run in transition like we had been and Part of that is obviously that was scoring um, and, and some offensive rebounds. So I think there, there's a number of things that we can go look at and um, and be a lot better at. Um, and, and again, I don't remember who asked the question, but about the hundred, like obviously 132 points is a lot of points. Um, so we, we've got to be better defensively, um, and we'll we'll watch it. Um, and I'm I'm confident with the the group we've got, we'll we'll come back in in and be better um, and make some adjustments. There's Joe Ingles, 19 points, four rebounds, two assists as he started once again for the injured uh, Mike Conley. Interestingly enough, Paul George was asked about Joe Ingles in his post-game comments, and he said, I don't care about him. Next question, which was kind of funny. All right, let's now hear from Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Don. Uh, Quinn said that... Quinn said that... Sorry. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, what are you saying? Quinn said that you were okay to return to the game. I mean, obviously we saw you limping off the floor. What's your level of pain, concern moving forward, all of that? I'm good. Um, that's, that's all I got for you. I'm good. Um, it happened. Situation happened. I feel like I was able to go back, but no need to risk it down 16, 18 at that point. So um, I'll be fine. We saw you having kind of a long conversation with Quinn on the sideline when you came back out from the tunnel. Can you tell us what was said? Uh, basically what I just said, you know, it was like, doesn't make sense, you know, to go back out there and, you know, possibly tweak it, just rest and get ready for uh, the next game. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Did, um, did their physicality defensively um, – catch you guys off guard. I mean, they were picking you guys up 94 feet. 
uh, hard doubles, you know, 40 feet from the basket. Uh, did you guys react to it the way you wanted to? And, and what kind of adjustments can you make for game four um, when they play you with that kind of physicality so high up? Um, um, I think this, we missed a few easy ones. I think that's that's definitely tough. You know, they want to throw a double, that's fine. You know, I have no problem getting off the ball. And like I said, told you guys the other day, like we all trust each other to make plays and make shots. And tonight we didn't really make shots and make them play for doubling. You know, and at the end of the day, that's, that's what it comes down to. We didn't get stops either, which kind of compounds the, that fact. But, you know, for us, it's they did a good job. They raised their level. Um, you know, for them, it was not going down 3-0. That was their mindset. And, you know, they took care of business at home. And we got to go out there and, and try and take the next one. Uh, simple as that. And we'll make the proper adjustments. And, um, you know, there are things we can look at to do better. And uh, we'll get ready for the next game. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, you mentioned the defense. I mean, obviously allowing 132 points. What is it that was kind of going wrong on the defense, Ben? Because, you know, usually you guys have such a terrific half-court defense. That wasn't really the case tonight. Yeah, they, like I said, they raised their level. They were determined to get to their spots, and we kind of let them get comfortable. You know, Reggie Jackson uh, started the game off really hot, I think 4-4. Paul George started, you know, 5 or whatever. Um, they were comfortable. You know, we allowed them to get comfortable. And I think when you have that comfortability, you know, and then you, throughout the game, you get confident. You know, you continue to do, and they're they're going to hit shots. They're they're a talented team. They got talented players, but we can make it tougher on them. And I think that was one thing we didn't do tonight that we did the past two games, and we'll make those adjustments and, and get ready for Game Four. Tim McMahon, ESPN. Hey Donovan, on the on the play where you limped off, looking at the replay, it, it wasn't apparent uh, what caused the pain. Was it was it the takeoff or was it the landing? What, what happened on that? Um, <laughs> it's when I land, um, you know, it's been, um, uh, it's been just trying to manage it. <laughs> um, I don't really know how, what else to tell you. I don't want to say too much. So, um, yeah, it was just a landing, uh, but I'm good. I'll be ready for game four. Rebecca Harlow, TNT. Okay. We'll come back to Rebecca, Alex Vejar, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, how does the complexion of the game change when uh, Paul George starts as hot as he did and then kind of sustains the scoring throughout the game? Um, it's huge. You know, he's, like I said, they're talented players. You know, we kind of let him get comfortable and he got to his spots and he felt, you know, like they're home. You know, it's supposed to be comfortable. You know, at the end of the day, he hit some shots. But we can make it tough on him. Um, on him, on Kawhi, on, you know, they combined for, what was it, 62, 63 points. Um, we didn't have that when we were at home, you know, so we got to come out there with the same energy and intensity to, 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 um, <clears throat> to, to keep them from, from doing what they did. And I think for us, uh, guys who aren't necessarily guarding them to, to make it tougher, you know, whether it's the hedges or the switches or the whatever, um, I think that's the biggest thing, and, you know, credit to them there for raising their level, but we got to make adjustments and get ready for game four. Rebecca, we'll go back to you. All right. Can you hear me now, Donovan? All right. Great. Um, you know, we've seen you show a lot of toughness, play through a lot of things has playing through some pain always kind of been one of your biggest strengths. Um, yeah, as much as I can, as long as it's smart, I think that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, kind of going into situations and asking, can I make it worse? You know, like playing on it, you know, cause obviously it's, it sounds great to go out there and, you know, 
play through certain instances. I'm not talking about myself in this instance, but like it's not smart like to go and play through whatever. But if you're going to make it worse, you know, it's not necessarily the smart move to go out there. So as long as it's a smart decision, um, you know, obviously not going to be 100%, but you go out there and you try to compete, you know, and, you know, it's good. things like this are going to happen. You just got to find ways to manage it and, and get out there and get ready. Um, it's not going to be perfect, but it is what it is. What were the reads that you made? You talk about making reads all the time between the first and the second quarter there when you found your shot. Um, understanding that I hadn't seen a double like that since like high school. Um, so for me, um, just seeing it and kind of feeling the game, you know, and they did a good job of it. But for me, it was just trying to find ways to get my teammates involved. Um, and, you know, I was able to make those plays, make those reads throughout the course of the game, seeing where the double was coming from, and then also flipping in and finding my spots to attack. Um, so for me, that was really the main focus. You know, they're probably going to do it again, so I got to get ready for it, get rushed to film. And, you know, like I said, we missed some shots, you know, so I think I'm confident in the fact that, you know, if we get some shots, it's a different game, but, you know, and we also got to get stops too. Uh, but, you know, for us, it's like we see it and understand it, make adjustments and, and get ready for the next game. Kyle Goon, Orange County Register. Hey, Don. Um, hey, what kind of – what's up? Um, how, what kind of resources is Mike on the sideline right now in a, in a game like this? Are you guys, um, you know, able to talk uh, in timeouts or, or what, what does he bring to the team or, or you personally? Um, for me, you know, a lot of it's just kind of like I was telling Rebecca, like the reads, what he sees, you know, feeling the game out. Like, you know, right, it's time to attack. It's time to, to kind of feel the game, you know, who hasn't gotten involved. Stuff that I may not see because I'm in the flow of it, you know. Um, tonight, we, we got to get Boyan more involved. Or the next game, I get Boyan more involved. Um, there's certain passes that I can make, you know, to that I, that I kind of forced up some shots that I'm not proud of. And, you know, he's quick to let me know. And I think that's what makes our – you know, relationship really good because he's quick to let me know and I'm out there quick, quick to fix it. So um, I watch the film. He'll watch the film with me as well and we'll go back and figure it out. But um, he's just having it in real time, I think, is huge to have a guy like that who's been here, who's seen this um, so many games, so many times. So it definitely helps not just myself, but it helps the team as well. Chris Osalto, Sport DNA out of Greece. Hey, Donovan, hope you're doing well. How important for you as a team is to stay even kill after after that loss uh, tonight? And what aspects of your game you need to improve? And what your message was that about that? Um, you said even kill, right? That's what you said. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, um, I think for us, it's like understanding that they did their job. They took care of home court just like we did, but we got to go out there and try and steal one. Um, understanding that the final score doesn't necessarily reflect. Uh, the effort we put in and stuff we did, but there's a lot of things we can do better. And I think that's where our mind is and understanding that we're not going to get too low. Like after the first two wins, we weren't too high. So for us, it's like, just keep it, like you said, even keel and understanding that we've got another one. This is a series. Um, so for us, it's like understanding what adjustments we can make to get better. Um, and then for me, uh, what adjustments I can make to be better. Um, I think being able to understand where the doubles are coming from, what they're throwing at me, and finding my teammates. And then defensively, I can be better too. There's so many things we all can do as a group. Um, and I think that's the first part of acknowledging it, watching the film and getting better. Okay, we have time for one more. Heather Yako, All Arabia Network. Hi, Donovan. You've been in the league for only four years, but what have you gathered about the importance of making the right reads in various coverages? I know you touched base on that, but if you can elaborate. Um, I think the first part is, you know, slowing the game down. Um, and that's not necessarily easy to do. 
Uh, so for me, kind of seeing it over and over again, um, you look at guys who have been in the league for 17, 16 years, and everybody talks about, you know, how do they see them? Like Chris Paul, for example, you know, having, was it 28, turn, 28 assists to two turnovers? Like that's the type of stuff, being able to manipulate the game that I ultimately look at and we all look at to try and find ways to slow the game down myself. And I throw that example out there because he's, he's one of the best at it. But for me, it's like finding ways, okay, they're throwing a double. I haven't seen a double in a long time, so understanding – what to see, how to attack, when to attack, when to pass, uh, who's open, who's got, who hasn't gotten a shot, where the mismatches are, mismatches, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but like where, where those things are. So for me, um, that's really been, you know, I think the bubble really helped, you know, and having that time before the bubble to really watch film of myself in depth because I really couldn't go anywhere during quarantine. Um, so being able to sit there for hours and kind of just watch, like, what, what do I see? What, what, who do I attract on a drive? And, you know, tonight I'm going to do the same thing, you know, and understanding that. So having that series in the playoffs and in the, in the bubble and being able to see that has allowed me to come into this year with the same mindset and the same thought process of being able to manipulate and attack and find the, find the guys in the, on the wing and the corner, find Rudy. Um, and then it's still a learning process. There's still things I'm going to mess up. But at the end of the day, being able to, continually make those reads. I think somebody put pride in it. It just comes with a lot of film work. There's Donovan Mitchell, 30 points, five boards, four assists, says uh, his ankle hurts when he lands, uh, but assumes or you know said he should be good to go for game number four. Of course, uh, you know a lot of the series is going to hinge on whether or not he's 100%, and if Mike Conley can get back in the lineup, of course, the team missed Mike very much on Saturday night. Let's wrap up uh, player sound with Rudy Gobert. Rudy, um, you know, uh, Rudy, uh, your teammates and, and and coach said that, you know, they were really physical and that you guys not so much didn't have trouble matching their physicality, but, you know, were kind of thrown off on it. What, what did you guys see uh, in terms of what they were able to do uh, in terms of getting up into you defensively? And how can you counter that uh, going forward in this series? Uh, as you said, you know, I think they were really physical. Um, you know, there were a lot, a lot of things too, and the ball kind of stopped moving a little bit a few times. Um, and usually in those situations, you ended up with them scoring on us in transition or us fouling or, you know, they, they really were able to feed off their defense. And, and you know, and we know that we... We our goal is to try to play half court defense every single possession, and of course we have to do a better job running back. But uh, it makes it hard on us, of course, when we, you know, when we when we get a turnover or a bad shot or you know or whatever it is, and they're able to run on us. We're gonna watch film and see all the things that we can do better. But we, despite all that, it was a it was just an eight point game uh, early in the fourth. So it's. You know, I think for us, it's just being able to play through that physicality uh, and make sure we keep attacking the rim uh, with the drive or with the pass. And, and then everything else opens up. You know, we, we're able to find the shooters, we're able to uh, find the bigs at the rim, or we're able to – usually they're going to collapse, so it's hard for us to finish at the rim right away. But uh, just keep playing through the physicality and play uh, – do multiple actions. You know, we the the, the 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 whole game plan is to take away our, our first initial action, so we gotta stay focused, stay tough, and stay connected throughout the whole, you know, throughout the whole session. 
Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, obviously they did uh, very well shooting the ball tonight. How much of that was just they're having a great shooting night and how much is it that you guys have some things that you need to fix defensively? I think it's all connected. Uh, you know, obviously you got to give them credit. You know, they, they shot the ball really well uh, from three. I don't know that I don't have the numbers, but it really felt like they were, you know, they were hitting, you know, some contested ones too. And, you know, we've got to make sure we, we, we don't give them the open ones and we've got to make sure that once again, you know, we, we don't allow them to, to play in transition or to get offensive rebounds because we know that usually they, they're going to score of those, you know, of those opportunities. So it's, you know, give them credit. They, they, they made a lot of shots and, you know, uh, we got to do a better job next game. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Rudy, with uh, Donovan playing through some pain a little bit, what's the level of concern for you and for his teammates right now? I mean, is that something that's on your mind a lot day by day? No, I mean, you know, when you come back from, you know, we are going to play through some stuff. I think, you know, I think he's, he's doing a great job taking care of himself, uh, you know, uh, putting all the chances on, on his side to make sure that he's able to to play at a high level. And, you know, this there's going to be some pain, you know, as long as it doesn't get worse and he's still able to move and, you know, and play, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we we would be okay. And, uh, you know, I think he's doing everything he can to try to be there, even though sometimes it might be painful. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's part of the game. You know, it's, it's ankle sprain. Uh, I mean, we all had, I think all of us had ankle sprain in our careers. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's not as bad, but hopefully, you know, he's, he's able to fight through it. And, you know, the fact that we don't have to travel tomorrow should, should be huge. And I think it'll be better next game. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, uh, I wanted to ask you kind of when, when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are kind of driving towards the paint, when are you deciding you should help, especially when they're playing five out? When are you deciding you should help in that versus uh, staying on the shooter? I mean, I'm trying to make sure that I'm always there for my teammates. Uh, you know, that's kind of what we've been doing, uh, not just against Kawhi, but uh, against anybody. Uh, you know, that's that's our defense. Uh, it's just about us making sure that we, when we need to rotate, uh, make sure we can we do a better job communicating. I think tonight we didn't do a great job uh, being loud and, and talking to each other throughout the whole game. We did it at times. Uh, and I think we're going to be better next game doing that. And, uh, you know, it's on me being better, uh, you know, when I help, uh, taking better decisions. And, and, uh, and also it's on all of us to make sure that we don't give up uh, you know, easy drives because then it's, it makes it a lot harder on me to, to uh, you know, when it's a straight line drive to, to, to help. And it's an, easier, it's an easier pass for them to the corners. So it's, it makes it harder on everybody. And I think it starts with communication and just keep doing what we do. We have time for one more quick one from Rebecca Harlow. Hey, Rudy. You know, I know you're focused on the game right now, not the personal accolades, but, you know, congrats on Defensive Player of the Year. And, and my question you. for you is, you know, we've talked to you a lot about how you've evolved and you've been able to, def to defend so many different def uh, offenses that you've seen over the years. 
When we had you mic'd up the other night, you were so um, loud. Your communication was amazing. How much better of a communicator do you think you've become? Do you feel like you're quarterbacking the defense at a much higher level than maybe the first time you won Defensive Player of the Year? I think um, maybe my English got a little better. Still not great, but uh, I think, yeah, communication has always been – I always thought that communication was a very huge part of having a, a good defensive team. Uh, and myself being the guy that usually is back there and kind of sees every, everything happening, I have to make sure that, you know, uh, I set the tone and, uh, and I talk to my teammates. And also I feel like uh, when my teammates hear my voice, you know, they, you know I think it, it allows them to lock in even more and to compete even more. And I think we, as a team, you know, we all need to, uh, and we, we know it, you know, we know that uh, when everyone is talking like that, uh, you know, we, we get to a higher level defensively and, and everyone is more connected and kind of carries over on the offense too. And, you know, there's a few games when we don't do it uh, consistently. Also, sometimes with the crowd, it's, it's a little harder to hear each other. But uh, I think we, you know, we're going to do a much better job next game for sure. There's Rudy, 12 points, 10 rebounds, one block, and one steal for Rudy. As the Jazz lose, they still lead the series two games to one, but they lost Saturday night 132-106. to Game four from L.A. coming up tonight. Uh, Tip-off will be at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage from the Plaza outside of Vivint Arena begins at 7. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Mitchell spins straight away, knocked away and taken away by Leonard. Left to right off to the races. Leonard to the rim, slams it home with the right hand. A swipe and score from the claw. That defense where he just rips your heart out and takes it the distance. To the top of the key, Leonard. Started by Mitchell, now O'Neal as he drives middle into the paint. Hop step and slam. Kawhi Leonard with Gobert in his grill. Says, get out of my way for a right-handed finish. Right to left, George in and out dribble. Step back, he's open on the right wing. Tees up the three and knocks it down. Paul George, that was nasty. Hey, PG, um, the, the broadcast is all all series has picked up a lot of uh, you and Joe Ingles talking either, you know, uh, in between plays or free throw line. Um, what's your relationship with him like now, you know, three years removed from the, the series when you were with Thunder? What, what, are you guys good or what, what's your relationship? I don't care about him. Next question. I don't care about him. Next question. This is war. This is war. We got a battle. Fight. Joe Ingles bugs Paul George. Well, he didn't bug him enough the other night, that's for sure. Nope. (laughs) Paul George is feeling it. If that's what you call bugging him, then he needs to send him flowers. Had 20 at halftime, had 31 in the game. Kawhi Leonard had 34. And the Jazz get beat, 132-104. How often is 132 a winning number, PK? If you score it, almost every time. But if you give it up, almost never. Yeah, and so what? The Clippers were not going to be swept. They're a pretty good team. Oh, now look at you being all logical. The Jazz without Mike Conley weren't going to sweep the Clippers. 
I don't think with Mike Conley they were going to sweep. Excellent point. I'm dead serious. I I hear you. Who thought they were going to sweep him? Nobody. I thought it was a long series when uh, I thought Conley was healthy and going to play. I know the thing that amazes me, and I get pretty deep here, I realize. I'm prepared for the deepness. uh, Why do we call him Michael Porter Jr., but not Mike Conley Jr.? Excellent point. I don't know. It's because of what the player wants, I guess. I don't know. You should ask Mike. That's, that's a TV question. <laughs> if I get to, if I get to ask a question, I'm going to burn it on that. <laughs> Have you seen some of the questions asked our president? Yep, <laughs> I've seen some of the questions asked our jazz players. <laughs> Nothing to worry about here. Mike Conley Jr. is listed as questionable for tonight's game with a mild hamstring strain. Yeah, this is this is two weeks, right? Locke said every time he's been out with a hamstring, it's been two a minimum weeks, of two weeks. So we're at 12 days. If, if it's literally two weeks and he's not playing, and if it's in the two-week vicinity, I suppose he's got a shot. And this is a pivotal game, as each of them are. You go up 3-1. That's a huge difference, obviously, than 2-2. Uh, so, but I, th- I think they're capable of winning without him. I mean, the way I look at it, the Clippers, Reggie Jackson has been like the other Reggie Jackson in the World Series. Uh, I don't know how long he can continue. Continue that. Mr. June instead of Mr. Yeah, October. Absolutely. Better than being Mr. May. Thank you, Dave Winfield. Uh, but you've got these two stars. I mean, I, to me, I don't know what Paul George was doing in those prior years because I look at him and I've said it a million times. Guy looks like he's a prototypical NBA player and he's got it going on right now. He should have it going on. He's got all sorts of skill and Kawhi's not going to stay down for that long. That's not who he is. So they had their night. They shot, what, 54% from 50, the field, 51% from three? 56% from the field, and fifty almost 53% from the three-point You're going to win every time. You would think so. Your chances of losing in that situation. You, you only lose if the other guy's shooting 60%. Yeah. That's almost impossible to win if a team is going to shoot like that. And the Jazz need to get better. I mean, uh, yesterday, Quinn Snyder's talking about spacing. Everybody's talking about their well, spacing questions. That was what Quinn talked about first. No, no. Quinn was the players Rudy. talked about it. It was Rudy and, and then so Donovan. Then it was obvious Quinn. that the coach, because that film session went long, if you judge it on the time that they said the media, he would, they would be available to the media. They were going to be was, available at 7, and it was like 7.45. It was longer than it normally has yeah. been. So I think they were going to be in, available at 6.30, I thought. Oh, really? Yeah. I think first it was going to be 5.30, but then they pushed it back to actually watching, and then they said it was going to be around, so an hour later they were going to get started. So it was almost two hours before they became available. Now, I don't necessarily know that that's what they were doing the whole time, but it was obvious that they were going through some intensity in the film study. The players went first and talked about spacing, and then Quinn, because the players had talked about it, Quinn was asked about it, and he talked about, well, it, you know, you can either be too close or too far. It's not just we think of spacing and you guys are too close. Mm-hmm. And he brought up, no, it could be also too far in that then the pass becomes much more difficult if you're too far from where you should balls, be. Balls in the air too long, yeah. defender's got a chance to go get it and go the other way. So they can clean up stuff. And Yang needs to play well. I mean, he's been he played poorly, very poorly the other night. There's no other way to say it. So I'm not alarmed. When does, when does Marcus Morris Sr. get rolling? One of 16 from three in this series. Uh, he was second in the league in three-point shooting. 
the Clippers were first as a team, so they were they were going to have a night like Game 3 at some point, you would think. And they did. That whole people are who they are thing, you get back to being who you are. Okay, then he's going to get thrown out. <laughs> also a possibility. <laughs> Can't rule it out. All right, more on this coming up. It's 2-1. How nervous are you? We got a bunch of people replying to that. Grab your phone. Use the Zone app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your audio. Yaka will get it on the air. We will get to that coming up. There's some serious nerves out there. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Durant, he hounded back door to Irving, who lays it in. And then fell hard on his right side, and he's down. Holding his right ankle. Holiday into the lane. Lobby on a slam dunk with the right hand. Spectacular play by Giannis on a lob by Holiday. Bucks up 17. Oh, Joker's so mad right now at Pat Freyer that he did. And now Booker and Joker start getting into it in the corner. We're going into the front row of the stands. Peyton and meanwhile is hurt, and if he's super hurt, you may see Joker get ejected. Although he made a play at the ball. Ball over on the left side behind a D8 and screen. Takes it to the baseline. 14-footer. Good again. Oh, wow. Chris Paul, 6 of 6 in the corner. Chris Paul had a game. 14 of 19 shooting. Nearly 75%. He scores 37 points. Booker had 34. And they sweep. Denver's done. Phoenix is on to the conference final. And, of course, it was helped along by the fact that the Joker got kicked out there late in the third quarter. Made a play on the ball. That caused you to giggle over there. He did get the ball, but oh, his upper arm. Denver announcer. Yeah, his upper arm got Campaign's face pretty good. If I'm Campaign, I go Cameron Payne because it sounds like too political campaign. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have tossed him. I mean, the, the, the 80s NBA guys were laughing hysterically on that one. Yep. Bill Lambeer would have been, he would have been tossed by the opening jump or the ball came down. Any member of the Detroit Pistons in that era would have been Would have never seen a second quarter. Rick Mahorn so. and Bill Lambeer would have been back in the locker room playing cards. Yeah, and that uh, well, Gale Rambus foul and all that stuff. Yeah, if you compare that to what happened in the Jazz game, Jordan Clarkson took a swipe and didn't get any ball. And got all of Zubac's face. And he got a flag on one and he stayed in the game. It was a big wind-up, though. And there wasn't like I had to run after him. They were right there. The yoke man, like he, like he ran, like he targeted him like he was a couple big steps, back. yeah. Uh, and he, you know, obviously he apologized to the guy. And it seemed like, all right, they put that to bed. 3-0, they weren't going to come back. No team has ever done that. But obviously once he went, that uh, pretty much sealed it. And Chris Paul was just absolutely amazing, yeah. Might have literally been the best game I've ever seen him play. But i that, that's me. I always have recency bias. Whatever I'm watching in the moment is the greatest. <laughs> I, I, that's, You're not alone. That's a common thing. I know, but I, I do that all the time. And so I, get, I, I, I tend to get caught up in the moment. Uh, and so he's playing at an elite level. Booker's, Booker's a player, man. He got a lot of people scoffed at him when he was scoring all those points on those losing teams. What was he going to do? I mean, not score? He had a crappy team. His team sucked. The organization was a mess. And they're not now. And he's pretty much doing the same thing. So it turns out he was really good. And he is good. 
And they've, and they've got some decent role players. I mean, they're a threat. There's no question, man. And now they're going to get some time off if Chris needs it. Uh, great. And away they go. They're, they set themselves up. This is what you want. It adds to the importance of the Jazz game to go up 3-1 so you could try to close it out on Wednesday. And then I, I would start Friday or Saturday, I guess. I'm not no, sure. I don't, I don't think game one would be until Sunday. Okay. I haven't heard an announcement on that, but just the way they've done things in the past. Well, we're a long way from the Jazz worrying about game one. Yeah. But I think that uh, that's something the, to The Suns are going to have a week off. There. Yeah. yeah so. They've earned it, man. Good for and them. If the Jazz Clippers ends up going to game seven, game seven is scheduled for Sunday. Correct. So the Suns could have more than a week off. Yes. Could be a Tuesday or Wednesday start to the next series. Which wouldn't surprise me if this thing goes seven. And I would, if I'm the Jazz, we get to that point. I sign off a game seven at home with a raucous crowd and and Mac back. That's Michael Alex Conley, which if you do the initials is Mac. Well, wouldn't it be Mac G if he's going to be Mike Conley Jr.? But he isn't. That's the thing. From now on, I want to be known as PK Jr., by the way. Whatever you say. Are you serious? <laughs> like a heart attack? Okay. <laughs> can, never, can never tell. <laughs> yes, you can tell. DJ and PK Jr. No, wait. That doesn't work. Uh, we'll, we'll try. Uh, Bucks beat the Nets. You heard Kyrie Irving in there. The injuries are not being spread around. They are going almost exclusively to star players. Okay, in a couple places, high-end role players. But it's mostly stars, and here's another star. Already had a hamstring injury impacting the team, and Harden's out. And now Kyrie Irving comes down on Kempo's foot, sprains his ankle, and uh, reports are that he's on crutches in a walking boot. Doesn't sound like he's a go for Game 5, PK. Sounds like he's going to miss that. I agree, yeah, and it opens it up. I mean, the Nets, healthy Nets, which I, I think I saw three times. Uh, to me, they're the favorite, but they're not. They're rarely healthy Nets. So that opens the door for everybody. If it wasn't already a jar, now it's just wide open. wide open, man. And the Bucks can very well win this series because if you're going to have two of your three guys out, that's going to be tough. Series is 2-2 now as they get ready for their uh, Game 5 tomorrow. Tonight, it's Sixers-Hawks. Philly lost the opener at home, but now they've won two in a row. Feel like they're back in charge? I do. They go 3-1. They don't care about the road. They do basically what the Jazz did in the last round with Memphis, where the Jazz dropped the opener at home and then won four in a row. This would be three in a row. Well, I think that the uh, Hawks are like a higher-end Grizzlies. You know, they're just getting started. Mm-hmm. And dynamic. Yeah. Dynamic young yeah. guard. Little undersized. Doesn't seem to matter. Right. I mean, they've had a nice season. Uh, so I see parallels there, and, and I think Philly's a little bit better. I'm just miffed. Why is the Jazz game at 6.30 on the weekend when I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn <laughs> the next morning? Because ABC's got that TV window, and that's 8.30 in the east. Okay. And all but- your people in Jersey and the I-95 corridor are driving the bus, and there was only one game. Then make the, only the, one game tonight. The, well, the it's six, still 8.30 is 8.30 every Hawks, time of night. The Sixers-Hawks can't never play. Bugs, man, could have three games yesterday. Fetchers. <laughs> NBA's barred the Brooklyn Nets security guard to make contact with Bucks forward P.J. Tucker during Game 3 of the series from working the series remaining games in Milwaukee. 
The guard, who is also Kevin Durant's personal bodyguard, will also not be on the floor for games in Brooklyn. I know he ran out there and pushed Tucker. Yeah, uh, he made definite contact. Yeah. What are you doing? You're supposed to deflame, if that's a word, not inflame. De-escalate, I guess, is the word. De-escalate would be the word. But I like deflame. Deflame is good. It's a new word. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK Isn't Jr. That what that guy said on tattoo? What? Deplane. Deplane. He's PK Jr. <laughs> Hashtag NFL. I would say they're definitely a contender, without a doubt. I mean, it's definitely there. Baker and the gang have, have up the ante, made this team an unbelievable team and a, and a team you have to prepare for and take serious. You know, I think that moving forward, without a doubt, I can see a lot more playoff games between us. And, you know, I'll just take it one day at a time and, and, and hope for it. But I think that uh, the, the Browns and Chiefs are definitely uh, neck and neck for sure. That is Travis Kelsey, the chief star right there, talking about Cleveland. The Browns are the season opener for the Chiefs. Already talking title contenders. Cleveland's coming off an 11-5 and season. And I'm used to the 16-game season, and I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Is 11-6 going to be as good as 11-5 or 12-5? How are we going to feel about all these? The numbers are going to be all wrong. It's 40-plus years of 16-game seasons. I don't think they are going to be all wrong because who's to say that that last game really means anything? So you sit some guys, you sit most of your guys, they don't play. So we'll play. just call it 16 anyway. Well, it'll be 17, but you have to see. I mean, if they've got it clinched, we've seen this before plenty of times over and over that the last game of the season is someone that team 11-win team is clinched and it doesn't matter. So I'm not going to sweat that. If you win 11 games in this league, you're a pretty good team, and you're probably in the postseason. Cleveland Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry said teammate Odell Beckham Jr. looks amazing. That's quote, amazing, after undergoing season-ending knee surgery last November. He's in fantastic shape. He's ready to go. He's only six and a half months beyond surgery. He's already doing some things that will blow your mind away. That's so great. It's June. Uh, yeah. This NFL season is a long season. Nutrition matters, so we'll see what his health is when it matters. Le'Veon Bell issuing a series of tweets Sunday to clarify his comments on social media. He said he'd never play for Andy Reid again. He'd retire first. I said what I said, and I don't regret at all what I said. For those of you who have a personal problem with me because of what I said, that's fine. Then he goes on. All sorts of drama in June. Did you know it's the same guys that seem to have drama no wherever yes. they go? Yeah. Levy and Bell's. Levy and Life Bell's, is too short for this, buddy. Levy and Bell's really good. Why has he already had to play for three different teams? Because there's drama. Yeah, whatever. If that's what you want to say, say it. DJ and PK, Jr. Hashtag college football. Former Colorado starting quarterback Sam Neuer announced he will play for Oregon State this fall. Entered the transfer portal last week. He was second team All-Pac 12 in 2020. He will be playing near his hometown of Beaverton, Oregon, when he suits up for the Beavers in Corvallis. Yeah, I think he always wanted to go to Oregon State. Uh, Riley was the coach, and they were showing him a lot of love. Then a guy named Gary Anderson took over and didn't show him near as much love, so he felt like he wasn't getting the love there. Uh, so he took off. Uh, he's a uh, Oregon doesn't produce a lot of talent. The state of high school, oh, they think they have like four million people somewhere, four and a half. Uh, he was one of the better ones. I mean, he was a big time 
across-the-board athlete, a la Danny Ainge, who's also from Oregon, the youngest of uh, three brothers. His one brother's older. Uh, he's got a brother who's like seven years older, a brother who's nine years older. And one of them is the director of football operations for the University of Oregon. So they have a little, have a little family rivalry there. The other quarterback they have, uh, what was his name? Gebiel, something like that. Interesting uh, Gebiel. Yeah, he's been injured. So uh, we'll see if the if that guy can get healthy. Uh, Neuer doesn't necessarily guarantee to be starting, but probably you would think second team All Pac-12, uh, he could win the job. That, that that didn't mean anything. He's not the second best quarterback in the Pac-12. There's no way. He's just, okay, he still doesn't have to be. You would think to win the Oregon State job. Uh, he's kind of a gritty overachieving guy so I, I I don't know about that I don't know that he's going to win and I think if, the other guy I think is more talented but he's got the injury situation so but you're Oregon State you're trying desperately to get 6-7 wins so it's a nice pickup DJ and PKJ Hashtag Major League Baseball The 2-1, and Hernandez drills it. Deep center field, and it's gone. The second three-run homer of the afternoon for Teoscar Hernandez. Visit your NorCal Honda dealers as he drills one to right. That'll be another drive of the game. Way back in the seats. How about two drives of the game for Olsen? Five two A's in the bottom of the fifth. Two and one to Tatis. Bases loaded, two outs. This pitch hit in the air, out to deep left field. Way back, gonna go! A grand slam in the big city for Fernando Tatis Jr. And a big seventh inning has put the Padres in front, six to two. And the Padres beat the Mets seven to three. Slam Diego, there you go. Four straight losses, they get a W in the Big Apple and beat the Mets 7-3. Dodgers also win. Mookie Betts homered, scored three times, did it all. Dodgers beat the Rangers 5-3. Both those teams pick up a game on the first place. Giants, who get shut out by the Nationals 5-zip. Padres right now aren't even a playoff team, PK. They're going to make it. Tell me they're going to make it. I know it's June. It's like a game or two. It's not a big deal. Long way to go. Yankees, though, feeling a little bit of pressure. Aaron Nola struck out nine, allowed three hits. The Phillies beat the Yankees 7-0. The Yankees are only a game over 500, and they've lost 7 out of 9. They've lost 13 out of 18. And Aaron Boone says it's time to step it up. I agree. Definitely is, yeah. But it looks like the Rays are the best team in that division. Again, they've got a lot of folks coming in, too, as far as their... Uh, farm system. They really set themselves up nice. Blue Jays beat the Red Sox 18-4. There's a number that jumps out at you, but you score 18 runs when you hit eight home runs. That's a lot, man. That's a lot of home runs. Yeah. Angels beat the Diamondbacks 10-3. The GM stepped away from the club. His wife has serious health concerns. Brain cancer. Yeah. It's been ongoing now for a good while. Arizona loses their 10th straight game. 26 games under 500. Bees had an early lead, but they lost to the Albuquerque Isotopes 4-3. Game 5 in the series tonight at Smith's Ballpark. Get your tickets at slbs.com or listen to the game here on the Zone Sports Network with Steve Klauke on the call on 1280 The Zone. 
What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call me at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, U.S. Open preview. we got U.S. Open golf this week. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, will join us at 8.30. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at 9 o'clock. Coming up next, multiple questions up on social media as uh, all things playoffs and all things jazz continue, including it's 2-1. And since the Clippers came back from 0-2 in the last series and now at 0-2 they win a game again, how worried are you? We will get to that next. Stay with us. Well, look who made an appearance. Paul George! Kawhi Leonard! Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have some fight in them after all. Let's go! Our Utah Jazz look to leave Los Angeles up 3-1 after tomorrow night. In the lane, high off the glass and in, Donovan Mitchell. I will never back down. Game four tips off at 8 p.m. I will never back down. The Jazz Live pregame show begins at 7. I will never back down. On your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. I will never back down. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury is not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. Series now, two games to one. We in trouble. Or are we in trouble? Are we in trouble? When you ask a question, PK, tone matters. Is it rhetorical? Or is it just a legit, I want to know what you think? We in trouble. I want to know. It's a question. We get a lot of, that's a terrible question. Fire the interns who post your question. But Todd posts, I think it's a good question. My gut reaction is, of course not. We're up 2-1 to one and still have home court advantage. But... Seeing Mitchell get hobbled every single game, he is clearly not 100%. And with Conley still not playing, I'm very concerned. If they're both healthy and playing, we got this. Maybe in six or seven games. If these two are not healthy, we may not advance. Mitchell's playing, so what are we worried about? I I don't worry about him. If it had been a closer game with seven minutes to go, he would have played. Yeah. But it wasn't, and he didn't. So, people have, like, problems. I mean, you... Pick 10 people off the street. Somebody's got something. Some are more serious than others, but everybody's got something. So, I mean, how do I know the Clippers aren't, they, they don't have uh, guys playing with whatnot and all that? I mean, that doesn't Probably matter. Probably do. I mean, your guy, Serge Ibaka, isn't even there. He's yep. out. <laughs> they can't get a surge from Ibaka. Nice wordplay. Scott says if Donovan Mitchell is out, which he's not, not out, but if he's out or he's not out. visibly not himself, I hate to say it, but we are toast. He's All right, here's the deal. He's mm-hmm. obviously limited, right? He's going 30 points. And then, I'm getting to that. How's he I'm getting to that. He doesn't score in the first period. They tweak their defense, right? And the Jazz are reacting to it. But then Donovan goes for 16 in the second, and he's got 30 points with seven minutes to go in the fourth yeah. quarter. He scored 30 points in... A 29-minute span of the game, and he was on the bench for some of that. So whatever is wrong with him is not stopping him well, from scoring. I would disagree that he's obviously limited. Defensively, he looks limited. He's not moving well. The closeouts and that extra-long film session you speak of, that had to come up. He isn't being paid to play defense. When has he been Mr. Defense? Can't jog towards Paul George when he's hot. I mean, if he's cold and you want him to shoot, okay, then don't put don't somebody close else out, on him. him shoot. Take care of that one. 
He's playing. He's out there. I don't want to hear it. Warren says, did anyone expect a sweep? Really? No. That's like four O's he put in there, too. It's going to be a tough series to win. Yeah. It's not about because they lost, we expected a sweep. It's are the Clippers a better team? That's the issue. Are the Clippers a better team? comes down to that. They have the potential to be the better team. I think that's for sure. I don't have any problem saying that. And if they play like they did Saturday, they are the better team. Brian Tracy says it's just one game. The media's got to pump the brakes, LOL. Jazz will be fine. You figured the Clippers would be ready. It was a must-win game for them. No, it wasn't. But uh, if they can sustain it, they're a hard out. Right, but who can sustain 56% shooting and 53% from three? They were the number one team. So if they shoot 48%. Three-point shooting at 41%. And then they can win it. We're not talking about that level of sustainment. I'm talking about sustaining high level of play. Not the highest level of play, but a high level of play. Then they'll be at the Jazz. Unless the Jazz sustain a higher level of play. And I think there's something to be said for that, yeah. It's possible, probable, I can't even go probable that the Clippers will sustain this, and if they do, can I guarantee that they would win? I can't even do that, because the Jazz have more to offer there, also. the the, the they, they certainly have to get Conley back, and it's not just necessarily Conley himself. It's pushing Joe to the bench mm-hmm. and get more production out of the bench because right now the bench is basically Clarkson and hope for a bucket from uh, anybody favors. Yeah, Niang's not playing well. We can have we love the guy and he's the minivan and he's charming and he's one of our guys, but he's still not playing well. I mean, he had stupid turnovers. I took a shot from top of the key. I thought it was forced. Get set. If you're set, not if you got a half an inch opening, just fire it up. No. So, and you look at it, his minutes are down. And I think his minutes are down because Quinn doesn't trust him as much. So it's up to Niang to get it going a little bit because he was a major contributor in his role. Now, his role doesn't dictate major contributions across the board all the time. But in his role, he was a major contributor. And so that's just one. And I'm certainly not pinning the loss on George Niang by any stretch. <laughs> so, but I'm saying they're... They gave up 132 points. Their bench becomes weak. Well, he's one for nine shooting in the series. He hit a three-pointer. He's one for seven for three. And so he hits a couple of threes, and you get a little run going on the bench because Clarkson's doing his thing. And we've seen that in a lot of games over the course of the season, but we haven't seen it in this series. Yeah, so now right now their bench is thin, and I've only said it for the last year. I would rather see Favor shoot a corner three than Oni. He gets going in. He gets four or five <laughs> minutes. He gets four or five minutes in the first half to buy some time so that everybody isn't playing forty plus minutes. Fine, and he doesn't come shoot. back. <laughs> he had a uh, was it game two? I think he played like five minutes. He had an offensive rebound on yeah. a long three. But he didn't take a shot, and I, and I did think when he checked out, I thought PK, P, 
PK shaking his head like, that's what we need. You defended for five right. minutes. Right. He's got a nice body. Yeah. I could just see you stepping in there between Alex, just throwing an elbow, clearing Alex out, clearing Quinn out, and then you're the coach. That's what we need, kid. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm concerned, but my concern level isn't any more than it was Saturday afternoon. But it's more than what it was before game one. The Grizzlies won. No. I'm comparing, like, when the Grizzlies won their game. Oh, I see what you're saying. I had no concern that the Jazz were going to lose. At 0-1, your confidence level in that series was still very high. Totally agree. Right. And so this series, the Clippers are obviously much better. So my concern now isn't any more or less than it was before the series started. Totally agree. If you, before series one, and and we don't know Conley's out. Well, we did because Conley got, he was out at game five. So we at least had an idea. Um, But before game one, if you had been offered Jazz win the first two and lose the third, will you sign on, on a, sign off on that right now and hit fast forward? No question. Yes, I would have. Now at 2-0, you get greedy. At 2-0, you're thinking, oh, just win this thing, be up 3-0, well, and just come back from 3-0. And it's not just that, but I certainly agree that is the ultimate. Because if you win by one, it's the same as winning by 30. But somehow the Clippers playing well, and the Clippers seem to be a bunch of bandwaggers, as you would say, and front runners. And so, not they, as I would say, as I literally did say one they time, they got their confidence. Paul George with confidence is dangerous. When they say a wounded animal is dangerous or something, well, Paul George with confidence that frightens me. That literally scares me in a basketball sense because he has that ability. So, I would have liked to seen the Clippers win a much closer game and Paul being four for 13 or something. But now, he's feeling really good about himself, and he is a dangerous player. And when you, you know, the proverbial X factor, X player, whatever, I think it's him. Because I sort of count on Kawhi a little bit more uh, consistently, and then there are other guys, uh, role players. Now, Reggie Jackson, i got to tip my hat to him. He's, been, he's making a bunch of shots. So those two, Jackson and George, got all sorts of confidence, which frightens me in the basketball sense more than it did earlier in the series, before the series started. Because I didn't count on Jackson being this good. Paul George, I see no reason why he isn't really good all the time. Because as I've said, he just you just look at him, he just screams NBA player, right? Doesn't he of all the sports? Then he just scream it. Uh, and so if he's feeling good about himself, uh, that makes me nervous. And I don't need Joe to get into his skin and any of that stuff. Because I don't know that it's working right now. So I'm not really concerned about that. Joe, do what you do. And if it, if it happens, it happens. But I wouldn't say, oh, get under his skin and that's going to throw him off his game. Because his game is pretty good right now. So I have, a, I have a deep level of concern of the Jazz being able to beat the Clippers. But probably no more than it always has been. Because last year I picked the Clippers. And... This year, I thought, okay, well, we'll see. What what can Paul George do in the postseason? So far, so good. I think the, uh, not to go Jerry Sloan on Paul George here, but, uh, you know, what are you made of? He, he shot the ball really poorly in the first game. Shot it better in the second, shot it even better in the third, and they went home. So for whatever that's worth, you know, not at altitude, 
Don't have fans screaming at you. Used to the shooting background. We know the list of boxes to check there. But he's been getting better shooting the ball here as the series goes along. And, and he has the ability to really impact the game even with poor shooting. Yes, absolutely. He was. Uh, he didn't really rebound it in Game 3, uh, but he had a lot of rebounds in the first two games, and he usually piles up the assists as well. So I, I would feel better this morning if the Jazz had a better effort, but maybe that doesn't matter because these are individual games, and it's hard to say that there's a flow and a continuity from one game to the next. Sometimes there is, a lot of times there is, but maybe there isn't always. So how do I know what tonight brings relative to as I studied what Saturday brought? doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a continuation when they hit the floor. Now, that could be think, for better or worse, too. I think even though uh, I love me some numbers and some stats and some analytics, not to the level Locke does, but I still love him. Who are you kidding? I think this is a game where I'm much more interested from the Jazz perspective in – your jersey mindset type of talk. Because, you know, would you feel better if it was a close game? Well, I don't know if I would. If game three had been close, would the Jazz have thought, oh, we got this, we barely lost it, we're fine? Or is it better that they got beat and maybe they're a little pissed off and they bring a little, you know, the desperation the and a little extra adrenaline, a little extra juice? If they lost a close game, they would think we got this? They have none of them have gotten any of this ever. The so only guy who's won a second round series who played the other night is Bogdanovich. He had one with Washington. That's it. So there's no reason to think you got anything. You're the Jazz. Nobody likes you. <laughs> it's not true. We're cool. I saw it in the Washington Post. <laughs> and when they had announced that Dwayne Wade thing. I give you the news like weeks ahead of time. I tweeted out, the Jazz are cool. And the Washington Post saw that. And Two thought, freaking months later. We've got to get somebody out there. <laughs> well, right, but they're waiting for the playoffs. Why? They ain't they any were, cooler now than they, they were, were then. They were obsessed with spring training. They were probably all over that. Everybody wanted to go to Florida. <laughs> That was it. When the Dwayne Wade thing was announced, it was in April, so spring training had come and gone. Yuck, I'm just making stuff up, throwing it against the wall. Can and you I tell? To- and I won't tolerate it. I'm about facts. <laughs> and that's not F-A-X. It's F-A-C-T-S. Oh, old school. So there you freaking go. Yeah, and I read the comments. The comments didn't act like the Jazz were cool. Same old stuff, and the Mormons, they're racist, this and that. I mean, it's just one thing after another. They had 52 comments when I looked at it yesterday, and 45 of them were, that place sucks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they're the biggest bunch of racists I've ever seen. It's, it, it, it's interesting how you can just stereotype. Depending on who's doing the stereotyping, it's absolutely fine. But if another group does it, oh, my goodness, we got to have all sorts of congressional hearings on it. DJ PK. When we come back, there's yet another question of the day, and we'll let you weigh in. Paul George on his relationship with Joe Ingles. If you missed this, Yaka will play it for you next. You'll get a giggle. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. 
Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Rudy winning his third and statistically having his best defensive season ever. And frankly, one of the best defensive seasons in NBA history. Scotty, you hit it right on the head. This is one of the best defensively statistical years in NBA history, what Rudy Gobert has done. And we look at the success of this Jazz team right now. And obviously, you got to look at Donovan Mitchell, who's done great things and got his second all-star bid. But if you really want to see what makes this thing work, it is the defensive push and defensive hustle of Rudy Gobert. You know, you go down the list of guys that have had multiple Defensive Player of the Year honors, Rudy's right up there. And frankly, I think right now we're talking about a conversation of Rudy Gobert being a Hall of Famer, too. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. Question of the day, part two. All about Paul George and his relationship with Joe Ingles. But why should I read it? When Yach has the audio and can hit the button and there's a 84% probability that we'll fire and you will hear it. Hey, PG, um, the, the broadcast of all, all series has picked up a lot of uh, you and Joe Ingles talking either you know, um, you know, in between plays or free throw line. Um, what, what's your relationship with him like now, You know, three years removed from the, the series when you were with Thunder? What, what, are, are you guys good or what, what, what's your relationship? I don't with care you? about him. Next question. <laughs> I'm not clear. Could you elaborate? <laughs> Good, or what, what's your relationship? I don't care about him. Next question. <laughs> what about Renai and the kids? I don't think he cares. He didn't care about Renai and the kids? Nope. Everybody cares about Renai and the kids. I don't care about him. Next question. Melody says the way Paul George answered that question, that says at a minimum, he's a little cranky about our guy. I think you could be nicer. Why was he so bent out of shape? We'll have to play that for uh, Joe later this week and get his reaction. Oh, only if they win. Not when. If they if they're ah, if they lose, they're down. If they lose two. a home game, <laughs> there'll be no comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that stuff only works when you win. I learned that a long time ago. You want to be jovial and joke. You can only do it when it's uh, on the heels of a win. Otherwise, it's all biz. They're not in any joking mood at that point, and so if the series is over, well, that'd be that'd be the sweetest. That would be hilarious to play it then. Oh, absolutely! If yeah. we'd be if it's four one and it's all done. Yeah, we'd be shucking and jiving the whole time at that point. Uh, so I don't know that that's going to happen. We'll see. They're down three two. We'll have to ask about spacing and defensive rotations. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Certainly that would be uh it would be all ball at that point, but I was surprised he gave that answer. I, I think that that answer would be more along the lines after you lost. But at the same time, if you're the Clippers and you're a Clipper fan, whoever they may be, don't you love that answer? I'm not getting drawn into that. I don't care. I'm coming off 31 points, well, and we won. Yeah, it's all about winning. And if you create enemies on the other side, even better. Jonathan says, I like that answer because it means Joe is living in his head. Except he's not. 
He just had a phenomenal game. If that's what Paul George can do when someone is living in his head, what's he going to do if his mind is clear? 31 points, 3 <laughs> rebounds, 5 assists, 12 of 24 from the floor, 6 of 10 from the arc. Yeah. So that sounds good. Living rent-free. It's such a cliche. And, and if you go to game one, then you got everything on your side for that argument. But Paul George's performances have been evolving, and they've been getting better. Also can't sustain it because nobody shoots 60% from three. So he had a big game. Yeah, but I don't think he needs to do that. Probably doesn't. No, I mean, they won by tw- well. Yeah, they won by 26 points. And he's a guy who, you know, the play well thing, as you say, the first thing we default, default to is shooting because that's what they give you the points for. But he can do other stuff. He had 10 rebounds in game one. He had 10 more in game two. He can defend those live ball well, turnovers. Can do it all. Right. The live ball turnovers that lead to the fast breaks the other way. Hey, if he comes up with two or three of those in a quarter, you're not completely surprised. I mean, he was blessed with prototypical NBA size. Just screams it off the page to me. When uh, If I'm drawing up an NBA player, I'm going to draw up the dimensions that Paul George brings. Right? So, now maybe Joe actually steps it up and tries to do it more. But I don't know that that's a good thing to do at home. I mean, when the other team is at home. It might be a better thing to do here. It, it's hard to talk when the other guy is hitting shots and the other team has the lead. And you have, but here you have eighteen thousand people that can get in, help help Joe in the cause. In terms of uh, getting into his skin or under his skin, I guess. Uh, as far as that goes, I don't know that it works. Uh, whatever they're having in, in uh, Clipperville, whatever it is, seven thousand or eight thousand. What I don't know what the attendance is, uh, but. That doesn't seem to work as much when you're home and you got your fans and they're booing and cheering and all that stuff. Paul George is a dangerous player, and he scares me the most. Of more all than Kawhi. Players. Yeah, because I think Kawhi is more of a proven commodity. I know that I have to account for Kawhi Leonard getting X amount of points. But Kawhi's not going to do it by himself. So you're scared by the X factor because when the X factor delivers paired with Kawhi, they're going to win most of the time. Most definitely, yes. So if See Paul logic. George repeats his performance oh! three to four, that's exactly oh! what it is. But Kawhi, I pretty much okay. bank on him doing what he does. So Kawhi did step it up, though, in game three. I understand that. Yeah. I mean, he shot it better. But I count on that. It's Re- like I'm surprised if he yeah. doesn't. Right. Whereas Paul George, I'm not sure what I'm going to get from game to game. So when he's 21 points and four rebounds in game two, you're surprised. There are lots of people who would celebrate that. 21 points, four rebounds, five assists is a good Leonard? game for a lot of people. But yeah. for Kawhi Leonard, if I offered you a Kawhi Leonard stat line of 21 points, four rebounds, and five assists in game four, you'd take it in a heartbeat. From the, from the opposition be, standpoint? Yes, as a... As a you're right. Speaking to Jazz fans here, Jazz fans should take that game two stat line in a heartbeat if it were offer up tonight. Yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. probably going to do more than that. I'm more along the lines of 35, 10, and seven. That I'm, you know, that's he was 34, 12, and five in a game that he didn't really need to do anything in the last five minutes because it was over. Yeah, that, I expect more along those lines. But George and Jackson, those are the guys that make me. 
nervous. What are they going to do? I really don't want to see Reggie Jackson go three for three right off the bat. Because confidence, even at that level, these guys are highly talented and all that, but I think confidence can ebb and flow even for them. And so if Jackson comes out and just starts putting it in the basket with uh, all sorts of confidence and Paul George right now Paul George takes the co- the when Paul George takes the co- uh, court tonight he should never be more confident than he is right then and there as an NBA player in the postseason and we know he's had his struggles but he should have the utmost of confidence whatever that level of confidence is it should never have been higher when he takes the floor tonight and that concerns me Okay, Reggie Jackson isn't going to do that again, though, right? I don't know. Six He's of eight, a couple of games now. Six of eight shooting the He's ball. Two for two so far. Yeah. So, I'm not sure. That's what I'm He's, saying. He's shooting sixty-one percent. It's going to cool. Off. It's it's going to cool off in the manner of I had no concern about Joe when he couldn't buy a bucket against the Grizzlies. I thought it was actually good news. Because he's going to turn it around. And we saw the two games he started, he turned it around. So maybe I look at Reggie. Okay, Reg, you're going to strike out. You know, Reggie Jackson, I think, is the all-time strikeout leader. (laughs) I don't think anybody struck out more than Reg. It'll probably be uh, eclipsed here. I was going to say, the the way the game's going now, but for his era. But yeah, he was just, uh, he was the unusual player. Who didn't care? Now nobody cares about the strikeout. <laughs> so, I guess yeah. But what about Paul George? Man, he's a fantastic player. When is when and if is he going to cool off? Right now, he's he's got the word by the tail, man. I still don't. I think he could have said Joe's a nice man, and I appreciate all that he brings to society. <laughs> he's doing good work with the autism. And I don't care about him. Next question. That's very rude. Okay. That is very rude. Bigger reaction to a jazz player. That or remember when Tracy McGrady didn't know how to pronounce Darren Williams' name? I do. I was sitting right there. Deron? Is it Deron? Ah, That was disrespectful. That was. I don't care about him. Next question. (laughs) What do you mean you don't care about him? That's the problem. That sums it up right there. Of what we got going on in the world. I don't care about him. Next question. It's competition, PK. You know it. Looking for the mental edge. And you're here for all the competition. I tell you, that wouldn't have happened if we would have had a different result in 2016. I think it would have. (laughs) DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. U.S. Open Preview. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, coming up at 8.30. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at 9 o'clock on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. All right, 855-340-ZONE. We've got Jazz fans lining up. Game four tonight. Jazz up 2-1 on the Clippers. Mike Conley officially listed as questionable. Robert is on the line. Robert, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, Robert. So, I think what it comes down to is that the Jazz just need to go there and act like the Clippers are trying to take their cake. And they need to say, you're not taking my cake, and I'm going to punch you in the face if you get my cake. They need to go show a little bit of New York attitude, show that they are the number one defense so they can play like that. And they need to be a little tougher, have the energy, and they need to go there and get, you know, Paul George and 
Jackson off their shooting spots and get the comfortableness out of the way and start playing a little tougher and rougher and, and act like they really want this championship. They can say it all day, but until they go there and pound them in the face a little bit, figuratively, they're not going to win this or the next series because Phoenix is playing with a little bit of anger, and the Jazz need to get that to go forward at all. So they have to act as if their cake was stolen. They need to go and take the cake. They can't be letting someone come in there and eat the cake. You know, if it's Angel, my slice of cake. If it's Angel food cake, I let people just take it. Now, if it's German chocolate, I will battle you. Suppose it doesn't matter. Yeah, my games doesn't matter. Suppose they leave the cake out in the rain. Well, they, they, I don't know. Who, who wants wet, moist cake like that? You got to go take the good stuff. <laughs> and they want it, then they'll go get it. All right, Robert. <laughs> I was afraid. I'm relieved because I was afraid you were going Millie and Vanilli there and you were going to blame it on the rain, and then that was just going to be out of control. It's not Millie and Vanilli. It's just Millie Vanilli. <laughs> I thought the dude on the left was Millie and the dude on the right was Vanilli, and then neither one of them were singing, so right. I don't care anymore. But it's the name of the group was not Millie and... It's like not like Sonny and Sure to go to your wheelhouse. <laughs> I was I was I was unable I was unable to sleep last night at about ten after two. So yeah, I'm tired right now, and I'm channel surfing, and I hit one of those share time life things, and they were selling you know for a hundred bucks, just nineteen ninety five a month for five months. What are you buying? Uh, you get like ten of her shows. You get two of her concerts. It's like eight CDs. Just watching for all the clips. She had some stars on her show. There's some big time stars there. Donnie and Marie. Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy D Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Red, Red Fox. Yeah. Doing a bit. Red with Fox. The old comedy variety shows. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Had a couple clips with Sonny. When do you get them? Well, they said they're going to overnight them. So. Overnight them? All right. I'm coming over to your house after the game tonight. No, I've resisted <laughs> buying any of those. When I was going through my uh, dad's uh, condo after he uh, passed away, I found that uh, he had bought uh, some of those. He had, uh, I think it was a Best of Johnny Carson thing. Ooh, that must have been uh, divisive in the fam. Who got those? Not really. No? <laughs> I think the dumpster got them. The dumpster? I think so, yeah. You could have sold them, you idiot. Yeah, well, there you go. It's a lot of stuff to go through. It didn't get sold. Just put it on KSL, boom. You got five people show up at your door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want five people showing up at my door. Well, when you're not home. That's why I got the albino alligators in the moat. <laughs> Nobody's showing up. You can oh. sell anything. My wife got a new golf bag. Hers was ripped. Yeah. She went down to some place, sold the old one for 15 bucks. Wow, nice. Yeah. yeah. I got some more stuff she can sell. We can split the proceeds. Make a little money on the side. So the Jazz need to be tougher. They need to take the cake. What do you think, callers? Did that phone call take the cake? Well, aside from the tangents he got us off on, which probably sucked, uh, I think his core point has some truth to it there. And you're just so not very tough when you're giving up 132 points. You're, you're playing in tuxedos. Sometimes the guy, other teams just make shots. It's true. But don't let them make wide open shots. And they made some wide open shots. Well, then if you make wide open shots, then you're even. True were the, story. Were the Clippers tougher than the Jazz in game three? 
Not they played better. That's not the question. I'm I, mean, I don't know. Toughness. I don't know about. I don't know about toughness. I would say they played with more energy. I thought they moved better on defense. I thought they could change sides with the ball and and get some pretty wide open looks. One of the things that's bugging me is it doesn't seem like Rudy's getting used enough offensively. Now, they're going small, but I don't know that the Jazz are making him pay for it. They're not making him pay for it. I would agree with that. And Rudy has had pedestrian offensive games, and he's not an offensively prolific player by any stretch. But I would but like get to see you, him. He can get you 20 on a big night. Right, and that's what I would like to yeah. see more of. It doesn't seem like they're taking advantage of the size that he brings relative to Morris guarding him or Tomb or whoever it might be. He only took six shots. Well, he took seven, but I'm not counting the one he took at the end of the quarter. He threw up something from half court. I'm throwing that out. He was 0 for 1 from 3. He was 0 for 1 from (laughs) 3. So that means he was 4 of 6 on the traditional stuff that he's going to get within 5 feet of the hoop. No, I would agree with that. He had more than that because you get fouled and they don't count as FGAs. But But he only shot four free throws, so we'll give him two more. Right. It doesn't seem like it's enough for me. Now, I don't have any numbers to back it up. I mean, I just watch the games like my neighbors yeah. do. But it just seems but like we you always have an default. advantage there, and it's not being taken advantage of. We default to the offensive end, and there's certainly things they can do to find another 10 points, right? You're way more likely to win when you score 116 than when you score 106. Uh, but 132 is just way too many. Are and we, I get when Donovan left the game, both sides knew it was over. The, oh, yeah. the Clippers had a lead and all that. So I'll even throw the fourth quarter out. But 27 points in the first, 37 in the second, 30 in the third. The Jazz are not defending well in the first three quarters when it's still a game. Throw out the 38 in the fourth. I get there's a lot of garbage time. So we'll set that aside. But they can't be over 90 points in three quarters. And you think you seriously have a chance to win the game in the series. If the Clippers are sitting on 90-plus points, I guess it was 94, uh, in games 4, 5, and 6, they're in great shape in games 4, 5, and 6. you gotta, you got to limit that. You go to that every time. You just go to points, and then you draw a direct line to the other team's defense. And there's never accountability for the team's offense. Great offense is going to be great defense every time. Right. But that was great offense beating mediocre to poor defense. So the defensive effort was drastically different when it got to Los Angeles versus what they have here in SLC. I don't buy it. I thought just to the naked eye. Clippers offense. To the naked eye, the Clippers were moving better on defense. More energy. Quinn always talks about pickup points. Okay, well, but the we're Clippers, not talking about the Clippers defense. The Clippers are we're picking talking up. about the Clippers offense and the Jazz defense. Right, but it's easier to score... It's easier to get open shots and get in rhythm against the Jazz defense than it was against the Clipper defense. I know, but we're not talking about the Clipper defense. So you think that the Clipper offense, the Jazz defense and offense was substantially worse in Game 3 than it was in Games 1 and 2? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. I thought it was a much poorer performance, but I think a lot of that goes to the energy level. And I, I can write off, I, I don't know that any of this really carries over to Game 4 and people should be freaking out about it. I think the way the Jazz lost can irritate a player and they can come with a lot more energy in Game 4. So I don't know that one thing carries over to another. So it's maybe not. Of, now it's a maybe, lack of energy. Maybe they'll run it back. Yeah, I think that's why their defense wasn't as good. 
So they sucked offensively. They sucked defensively. <laughs> I, and didn't they didn't they sucked. I didn't say they have enough I didn't say they sucked offensively. Well, they weren't good enough offensively. They, they were not good, good enough. enough I'll give you they weren't good enough, but I'm not going to give you they sucked. <laughs> they weren't good enough, and I am sure there's stuff. I mean, they taught, they, everybody talked about spacing. There's something there. And maybe that's part of what's going on with Rudy. You know, maybe the spacing isn't great, and one guy gets into his body, so it's a little hard to jump. And then the, the second guy, because the spacing isn't right, is able to kind of come help crowd the passing lane. Don't give me kind of. I'm sick of these guys asking <laughs> questions with the kind of. Just say it. We don't need kind of. What you talk to me about? Kind of. Talk to me about it. Drives me nuts with these kinda. guys. All the questions, kind of. Kind of talk to me Just about it. Just say it, man. If you thought they didn't play well, say it. You're the man. People rely on you. You win the awards because of your basketball knowledge. And the fact I vote a lot. Well, yeah. That's, don't tell me. I mean, we that that's the whole issue here for the last year. I've always believed in voter fraud, and now you just admitted it. I don't think they're talking about the City Weekly thing. But. Oh, oh. Well, wouldn't put it past you because you wanted that guy out so desperately on the day of his birthday, no less. We count on you for your basketball knowledge, buddy. So if you say they sucked on offense, sucked on defense, and didn't have enough energy. I didn't say sucked on offense. You just keep saying that. Well, that's essentially what you're saying. It's, it's not. not. You don't want to be. You're not Paul George. You're not going to be flat out rude. I'm Paul George. I was rude about the defense. They sucked on defense. I'll give you that. I'm not giving you they sucked on offense. Well, they sucked on defense. They sucked on energy. Two out of three, you suck. And that gets you beat. Right. So they suck. 26 points. We just conjugated sucked right there. You say it. And we count on you for the basketball knowledge. I never played the game. Oh, I only hit one jump shot in my life and one hook shot. That was it. The series is now 2-1. Are the Jazz in trouble? Tyler says, nah. But I think if they lose tonight, I'll be very worried. So I think tonight is extremely crucial to get a W. Don't want to give the Clippers confidence tying up the series. I think they already got it. That's what concerns me. That's what I was saying about yeah. Paul George and Reggie Jackson. Man, I think they already some. have it. Yep. So I think tonight is going to be very, very difficult. George says tonight's going to look different, and it's going to be much closer. But it is still up for grabs for either team. If the Jazz win, series is over. I wouldn't go as far as that. But obviously, extremely. The odds tip in your favor big time. Odds was no question But it doesn't go to 100%. No, I'm not going there. My my respect for the Clippers is too good. Yes. And I think also that it's the nature of the NBA and the impact injuries have. It's not, you've said it a million times, it's it's not over until you get to four. And at 3-0, you're in awesome shape. It's not over. Nobody's ever done it, but it could. I, I don't think I had more confidence in a team on recent memory than I had in the Nets after they won by 49 over the Bucks to go up 2-0. And the Bucks who've had postseason failure, and that could get in your head, but the Bucks win one game, and then in the next game, Kyrie Irving gets hurt. And who's got confidence in the Nets now? It seems shaky at two two. Well, it's just health. Yes, I have. Co- I have complete confidence in them in a healthy I, net team. Right, right, but I don't have confidence in their health. Right, that's the issue. But if the health sinks them, the Bucks won't care. They're back well, in the Eastern it, it Finals. It doesn't matter baby. in the end. It yeah. doesn't matter. Although if I just switch Harden for Irving, I still like the Nets. Doesn't sound like Harden playing Game Five, but they say he's getting close. Maybe he could play in Game Six. I don't know. I don't know either. But 
when they say they're not going to rush him back, it made me think, okay, so he's not back for five. And that's another thing, too. You go up 3-1, and one of your guys uh, gets hurt, it could change. You know, yep. Everything can change in a heartbeat. You know, I, I, at this level, it's not over I, I thought the Jazz were always going to beat Memphis. Well, the Clippers are a much different entity than Memphis. No, There's just no doubt about it. I believe if the Clippers wanted the best record, they probably could have had it. But they were much more concerned about the matchups. And this is the matchup that they wanted. So we need to start getting some uh, anger towards the Clippers. I like dis- it. They disrespected our guy Paul, I mean our guy Joe, and they they coordinated this matchup because they didn't believe I, that we were good enough. And, and Quinn casually, but carefully, uh, mentioned that in the run-up to Game 1. There's no question he mentioned it. Yeah, in the run-up to Game 1. and I thought it was pointed. Yeah, and so... He mentioned it in Quinn Snyder style. Yes. Which is not flamboyant and not ranting, not raving. Take that for your data. Or, you know, <laughs> he's never going to do that. You know what I mean? I love that one. Right. And all this and, and go out and overtly do stuff. That's not who he is. We've seen enough of his interviews over the course of seven years. That's not his way. But he said it exactly what needed to be said in his way. They saw a matchup that was favorable to them. They thought that they had something favorable. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. So now... I think the Jazz need to, to, to be aware of that stuff here. They, they Tap wanted into you. that. Tap into the yeah. whatever energy and emotion you got from that again. Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily, I'm kind of talking on both sides of my mouth because I feel like, oh, that stuff's overplayed. But Paul George said it, and maybe the Jazz, they need to do something to respond accordingly to show them, hey, bleep you. <laughs> And we'll leave it there, Jersey fans. Because I've always believed if somebody's trying to take something that you want or have, bleep them. They're not my friend. This is how rivalry started in pro sports. You become my enemy. This is how rivalry starts in pro sports. It's different in college, but in pro, someone's got to take something away from you. In college, it might come down to proximity. You're the two teams in the city or the state or whatever. But when it really gets juicy in all sports is when... You want something, and they want something, and one of you takes away from the other. And then if the next year the same thing happens, the other team wins and takes it away, now you really got something. Now you got a big-time rivalry. The have disrespected the Jazz. <sighs> By losing on purpose against Oklahoma City, well, six of their last ten, right. but certainly that final game against Oklahoma City. My blood is boiling right now. All right, DJ and PK. doesn't matter if your blood is boiling. It matters what a few players in Los Angeles are thinking. DJ and PK coming up. U.S. Open Preview. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, will join us next. More on the Jazz in the Playoffs with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at the top of the hour. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60, presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness on 97.5 FM, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Well, look who made an appearance. Paul George! Kawhi Leonard! Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have some fight in them after all. Let's go! 
Our Utah Jazz look to leave Los Angeles up 3-1 after Monday night. In the lane, high off the glass and in, Donovan Mitchell. I will never back down. Game four tips off at 8 p.m. I will never back down. The Jazz Live pregame show begins at 7. I will never back down. On your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. I will never back down. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. This U in a Golf U.S. Open preview with Real Golf Radio's Bob Casper is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Black Desert Resort, and get some guns and ammo. Time to welcome in Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. You hear him Saturday mornings here on the Zone Sports Network. With Brian Taylor talking golf every Saturday morning for three hours, he joins us now to look ahead to the U.S. Open. Bob, good morning. Hey, DJ. How you doing? Good. Not as good as you. <laughs> what percentage of major championships do you get to play the course a month or two before the major championship? Uh, there's not very many, but, uh, you know, it was uh, – it was a great opportunity for us to go down to San Diego, and uh, I think we played, what, two and a half, three weeks ago, something like that, and uh, the golf course was awesome, um, getting better and better as uh, the time went on. Um, they had a lot of uh, fertilizer and stuff on the course, trying to grow up the rough and, and get you know get the golf course into, into peak shape, and that's probably where it's at right now. Thanks for the invite. Sorry about that. I hate you. <laughs> Speaking of, you hate, wouldn't have liked it. It was it was <laughs> what you know. I played that golf course a lot of times, and uh, we played it from sixty six hundred yards, only a thousand yards shorter than where those guys going to play it this week. So it's only, <laughs> only. <laughs> that's a massive uh, difference there for sure. It is, yes. So. Speaking of hate, this this much has been made of this Kepka, uh, what's his face, DeChambeau thing, uh-huh. and, and going back and forth. Uh, what is your feeling on supposedly it is good for the game? Well, I think I think rivalries are good for the game. It's pretty funny how this is kind of uh, it's almost a little bit contrived, and it's right. Um, you know, and the media is is probably blown a little bit out of proportion. But you know, I thought it was—I thought it was pretty funny um, that uh, that Brooks Kepka last week wasn't playing, and uh, guys were guys were kind of uh, given Bryson the business and stuff, and 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 got tossed out of the out of the tournament um, for doing it, and then and then uh, Brooks ended up uh, giving them fifty cases of beer. Right. So um, I, you know, I, I I think it's I think it's kind of funny. It's uh, it's. Um, it's good for the game to have rivalries and stuff, and you know I think it'll it'll be what it is. But um, you know the guys aren't like crazy mad at each other or anything like that. It's I think it's kind of a fun thing. I don't need them crazy mad at each other. I don't need people throwing clubs at each other or anything off the right. charts. I just need them paired together in the final round of the U.S. Open, either in the last group, next to last group, but in the hunt. And then I just wonder how they look at each other as they get ready to putt or get ready to tee off or whatever, and if that impacts anything that happens in the tournament. Because in rivalries and a lot of other sports, that adrenaline and that animosity does impact it. I mean, it's, it's real. It has, a, it has an, an impact on the outcome. Golf's a different deal, as Quinn Snyder just said uh, in his availability last night. No one tries to block a putt. A putt. 
You know, so it's it's a different deal. Do you think there's a level of animosity that is real and would impact the tournament if they were going head to head or in a group of three or four guys competing for the title on the back nine Sunday? Well, you know, the interesting thing about golf is that, you know, guys put on their game face. You know, you look at Tiger Woods throughout the years. Um, Another one is Raymond Floyd. When I was caddying for Keith Clearwater on the PGA Tour in 1992, I remember we got in the final group. No, we were in the we're in the yeah we're in the final group in the third round playing with Raymond Floyd who went on to win the golf tournament and we finished uh, Keith finished second um, but we shook hands at the beginning of the round and we shook hands at the end of the round and really not much was said the rest of the way it was the same way with Tiger Woods when he got on the golf course and he had a chance to win a golf tournament he, you you shake hands you're cordial at the beginning of the round. And you go about your business, and you don't uh, you, you don't chat or get chatty with guys and that kind of thing. That's the way they played, um, and so I wouldn't expect anything different with um, Brooks and and Bryson if they got paired together. I wouldn't expect that they would be chatty or talking or anything like that. Uh, they would go about their business definitely. Especially Brooks, he's he's kind of under the mold of uh, of a Tiger Woods or something like that. So, um, uh, yeah, you know the the US the USGA does some interesting stuff. The last time they played the U.S. Open at um, at Torrey Pines, they they paired Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, and Adam Scott, the top three players in the world at the time, together. Um, I would not be surprised if they didn't pair those two guys together um they probably won't but i would not be surprised if they did so if the leader on saturday tests positive for covid what do you think should happen he's out that's just what they're going to do that's what the what the pga tour did and and because of that i think um uh it's I, I, in my opinion i thought i thought it was kind of it's kind of crazy i thought that um, their testing um, was interesting because they tested him. They found out through contact tracing that he was around somebody that con- contracted or and, and had COVID. So they tested him every day. Uh, the second round did not get over till Saturday morning. They tested him Saturday morning, uh, came back positive. So they tested him again with the sa- they tested the sample again. And it came back positive. So they tested the same sample. They, what they, in my opinion, what they should have done is tested them again after, um, after they found out it was positive. Tested, tested him again to see if it was positive, and um, um, instead of running the same test again. So um, he's been he's been quarantined. He's now had two negative tests, and he's cleared. He's cleared to go. Unfortunately, he didn't uh, get to play in the final round, and he probably would have gone on to win that golf tournament. But, you know, if somebody tests positive, you know, there's certain protocols that are in place. And if they test positive during the week, most of the guys are tested at the beginning of the week. His, his was an extenuating circumstance because of the contact tracing, and he had to be tested every day. 
So there are a lot of people who think, oh, they should have just sent him out by himself, kept him away from everybody. What would the reaction have been from the other tour players when everybody knows the rules when the tournament starts? How would other players have reacted publicly and privately? Well, I, you know, I think, I think that's the whole point. Everybody knows the rules. Um, but in, in my opinion, if, if something like that happens and, and, and you're in a final group or, or something, you know, the, at, at the Masters, um, at, at other um, big events, they send out a marker with the first player. Um, there's a guy that's a member at Augusta National that plays if there's an odd player in after they make the cut, if there's an odd player, he plays with that player um, the first group out. Well, I what's think it's say, obvious, Bob. That, to say that they couldn't do that in the last group. Yeah, I got you. So, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, you know, the other thing is you got to look at the guys that he played with, Colin Morikawa um, and uh, – um, um, who ended up winning? Uh, Patrick Cantley. So you got to look at those guys. Those guys. Those guys were around in the whole time too. So what? Yeah. What's their? What's what's going to be? What they have to do? Um, and and the other guys that he played with in the first two rounds. Those guys can right. come down with it as well. So I get your point. Um, I I just think that I, I I don't know that that they handled it properly. Um, I think for for visual. Um, I think they had to do what they had to do. But as far as the players were concerned, um, there were quite a few of them that came out and said that uh, they were a little disappointed with the way that the PGA Tour handled it. I think after Phil winning the PGA, they just get sick and tired of Sun Devils dominating. Oh, that's what it is. (laughs) It's got to be what it is, don't you think, PK? I think it's so, so, (laughs) so clear they're probably going to come up with something on Paul Casey next. I mean, this is getting, oh. this is getting out of hand. How many Sun Devils are on tour? Seriously, I think there's five or yeah. so. And you got the Perez, Pat Perez, who I believe his father was the pro at Torrey Pines when pro when Perez was growing up. Correct? Could it, it could be Pat Perez is from the San Diego yeah, area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got like Phil, as you said. You've got Xander Shoffley. Um, there's quite a few guys that uh, that that grew up in that San Diego area that are going to be really comfortable on that golfers that they play. Tori, any chance for the uh, ultimate feel-good story with our man Phil getting the career slam? He can't do it again, can he? You know, um, <laughs> stop it, Bob. Bob, I really don't know if he can, but I <laughs> okay. wouldn't put it past him, especially after winning the PGA Championship. I'll guarantee we haven't seen him since. Um, and I'll guarantee you he went back home and he is grinding. He was working hard to keep things in place to to uh, to have a chance this week. You know, career grand slam, um, Torrey Pines, hometown kid. Uh, this could be a great Disney story movie. Amy, Sophie, the there's, kids. There's you, Amanda. There, there's a huge <laughs> stop it. There's a huge youth tournament down there, and they play different age groups on different yeah, courses, right? Yep. But aren't the aren't the, like the 17 and 18 year old guys playing Tory Pines? And oh, so, they do. yeah. So doesn't someone like Phil have this home course knowledge? Not just not like going out there like you and Bob did and played it a thousand yards shorter, but playing it in something like a tournament setup. Oh yeah, yeah. 
there's you know the, that's played every year. <clears throat> I got I in fact I played in it one year. Um, qualified here in the state of Utah and then uh, was able to go down and play in Junior World. But uh, yeah, seventeen year eight junior olds. Um, you know, Phil grew up playing junior golf there in California and and in the San Diego area. Um, he's won on that golf course before. Um, there's he's got a lot of things going for him. So um, you know, I I don't necessarily know that he will. Um, he's like the ultra ultra long shot, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him that he's ready or has an opportunity to get himself in the mix. He's sandbagging. He's going to use a second round pick on him when we do the draft. No, I think Phil. Negative. I think Phil is automatically <laughs> belong to me. To yeah, he's automatically. I'm going be- to leave that one to PK. Right. He's my guy. I've been in his in laws' house before they moved. Of course, <laughs> lived up the there street you from me. Uh, you've played San Hollow, haven't you? I have. Okay, four over from the whites. Is that a good score? Four from the white tees. Yeah. Yeah, that's a decent score. You bet. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you ask me if it's a great score, I'd say no, but it's a good score. Thirty-eight, thirty-eight. That's good. Yeah, good how, job. How much yardage did you save moving from the blues to the whites? Well, on the fronts, you only save about uh, less than two hundred. On the back, it's probably about four hundred. So, how many strokes is that worth, Bob? Just trying to translate, you know, what he would have shot from the Blues. He probably would have shot um, 80 from the Blues. Yeah. I'd take 80 from the Blues there anytime. Yeah. Anything that's single digits, I would uh, sign up on. Yeah. Especially at that course. The, the back nine is yeah. the longer. The, the, the Blues is, uh, the, the Whites is only 3,000. But from the front, it's like 33. So there's not that big of a difference there in the front. Yeah. Well, these guys are playing Torrey Pines at 37 and, no, 38 and almost 4,000. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's that's massive. <laughs> at sea level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at sea, and, and, and so the interesting thing is um, I was listening to some guys talking this morning, and they were saying that when that June gloom rolls in, uh-huh. um, it, it causes the ball at, at sea level and there at the golf course causes the ball to go anywhere from five to six yards shorter. Yeah, yeah, of course. That with makes the, sense. With that, with that moisture as it, as it moves in and it, and it gets a little cooler. Are they pushing it so, back the times so we get some later golf? Um, I, you know, I think they will. Uh, um, but, you know, golf is, especially major championships now, you know, you'll get an early part of the broadcast um, whether it's on ESPN or mm-hmm. Golf Channel or whatever, and then you'll get a later part of the broadcast as well. But you know, it's going to finish. It's going to finish around probably um, California time. You know, it's going to finish in prime time East Coast. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be probably around a five thirty end, five thirty finish, six o'clock finish. Oh, really? I thought it might yeah. even be later than that. It could be. It could be. I know Augusta finishes at around 7 p.m. Eastern time. Right. Uh, but you, 
Yeah, but yeah. You, you got the advantage on the West Coast of finishing up. You know, there's plenty of sunlight at 7 o'clock in oh, yeah. San Diego, oh, yeah. which means yeah. you could finish at – it would be 8 o'clock here to PK's point and 10 o'clock in the East, prime time getting much bigger ratings. Right. You bet. And you know what the bad part – you know what the bummer part is? Is, you know, we've only got one more major championship after this one this week, and that's the the British Open. But then uh, – um, we've got in September, we've got the Ryder Cup. So, um, you know, it's, there's going to be some exciting weeks coming up uh, in, in, in the game of golf. There's, uh, you know, the Tour Championship and the playoffs, those things coming up. Coming up. But golf seasons, you know, we're, we're in June right now, mid-June right now, and by, uh, you know, mid to later September, um, golf season's going to be over. Uh, for this year, and we're going to be starting back up again in October for the next year. Circle of golf. Yep. <laughs> it's good stuff. I feel like i got to <laughs> sing a Disney song now. <laughs> All right, Bob, we will talk to you again in a couple days, and we will do the draft, and uh, PK will introduce new rules because it's been winner-take-all, and uh, if we don't pick a winner, PK still wants to have a winner between us. So I don't know oh, what okay. crazy rules he's going to cook up, but there's something coming. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks, Bob. Bob Casper, Brian Taylor, Saturday mornings, Real Golf Radio, right here on the Zone Sports Network from 6 to 9 a.m., and they'll be joining us all week long on every show. Let's give away a golfer right now. You know how this works. We do it during every major championship. It is time for the Uinta Golf U.S. Open giveaway. Caller 12 right now, you'll be assigned a top 25 player in the world. One caller will be assigned the field. Who are we playing for right now, Yak? I'll give you your choice. We got two guys we can go between here. Nope, just pick one. Give me one, pick one. Okay. Do it. You're in charge. Victor Hovland. There it is. If your player wins, Victor Hovland in this case, you'll receive a Callaway staff bag. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. If you don't win now, stay tuned. Every show, all day, today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, giving away golfers and the field. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Qualify for the Uinta Golf, the U.S. Open giveaway right now. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Howard Beck is with us, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. It's not that I'm surprised by anything the Jazz are doing. It's more just surprised at the state of the series at this point. The fact that I thought things were a little bit more evenly matched. But, you know, things go this way at times, and it can tip in a hurry. And, you know, we'll see where it goes from here as as the series shifts to L.A. You know, the Clippers have shown that bounce-back ability before, obviously, very recently, going down 2-0 and then 3-2 against Dallas. So we'll see if there's another gear for them. But so far, just... you know, impressive all the way around for, for Utah. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets and tile cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't accept it any other way. It's just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve zero res. Schedule with zero res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for zero res carpet cleaning. Utah Jazz blown out by the Clippers. PK, we got people who are stressed. But you know what? The people who are stressed are the loudest. Because most people have a lot of confidence going into this. Put a poll question up. 
Who wins tonight? Jazz go up 3-1 or the Clippers tied up 2-2? 70% of the people think the Jazz are going up 3-1. So, are the Jazz in serious trouble? Most people think no. If you're about to win Game 4 on the road to go up 3-1, you are not in serious trouble. You are in a glorious position. Now, how do we know we're about to win Game 4 on the road? Well, 70% of the people believe it. You don't know it. I think that's the nature of a long series. You know very little things. You think you know a lot in the Memphis series, and it's a little easier to tell, and turns out you do. But it's hard to know in the Clippers series. Looks like a more even matchup. Looks like a longer series. Little things can swing it. And if it swings one way, a little thing can swing it back the other way. As we saw, the Jazz shot it really well in Game 2 and 1. Clippers shot it really well in Game 3 and 1. All right, it is time right now for the Chevy Strong play of the game. This looked and sounded like a series-changing moment. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Durant being hounded back door to Irving, who lays it in. And it fell hard on his right side, and he's down. Holding his right ankle. Up top on Dedekumpo. Out on the left. Connaughton for three is no good. Irving is still down as the Nets get the rebound. Griffin's got it. Irving's holding his right ankle. Harry Irving is in pain. He's slamming the floor. It's his right ankle. Oh, he really turned it back. There it is. Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on the big show and you can win fabulous prizes. Not the typical play of the game, but PK. The Nets are the favorite. Maybe not by a wide margin, but they are the favorite. And now with Harden out with a hamstring and with Kyrie Irving down and with the series of Milwaukee tied at 2-2, ooh, the door's open. Who wants to run through it? Bucks first, I guess, but that opens the door for everybody else if the Bucks win two of the next three. Well, if the Nets are out, to me, that just further amplifies my confidence in the West, meaning whoever comes out of the West will win the title which we're now we're down to three teams. And I believe a compromised Nets team, whoever is of that three of the, out of the West, will win if the Nets are in a, an injury situation. The Sixers or the Bucks would not survive an NBA Finals is what you're saying. I do not believe so against the three teams. No, I do not. Suns finished off the Nuggets, so Phoenix now waiting, and they're going to get a week off, maybe more. Gets to be a problem at some point. I remember the Jazz off 10 days before the finals. That's as much of a problem as you allow it to be. Good news is Chris Paul ought to feel better, although he was feeling awfully good in Game 4. I thought he, yeah, I didn't think he was injured any part of the series. 14 of 19 for 37 points. He lit it up. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, to look ahead to Game 4 tonight. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. It's time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, joins us now. Steve, good morning. Good morning, fellas. So... Some Jazz fans, about 70% of them, are quite confident that the Jazz are going to win and go up 3-1. The rest of the folks are worried that the tide has turned, the Clippers are about to tie it up 2-2, they're probably obsessing about what happened in the series with the Mavericks. 
How much confidence do you have in the confidence the Clippers showed in Game Three? Uh, you know, I, I don't. I, I think actually the Clippers win tonight. Um, I, I think that. I mean, there would be adjustments to teams. I think the, how they handled Mitchell out of ball screens and the fact that Batum uh, at home is better than he is on the road. And they, they, you know, they're just they obviously played really well the other night. And uh, and the Jazz are still really difficult to put away. The Clippers did so by shooting, you know, astronomical numbers: fifty-two percent field goal, fifty-two from three-point. But I, I think that this is a game. I'm still not convinced that Donovan Mitchell is healthy, <laughs> to be honest with you. And uh, I think that if the Clippers get up in this game, uh, that they win this game and they come back. I still believe the Jazz win this thing in, in seven, uh, maybe six, depending. I, I just don't, I'm not sure the Jazz can win at L.A., to be honest with you. Not, not with the confidence they played now. Uh, they've got a little bit of a system going, I think, defensively and how they're going to do things. And uh, but I, 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 think, I think the Clippers win. And uh, it goes seven, and the Jazz win the series. I don't think the Clippers beat the Jazz at in in Utah, um, but I do believe this series is going to be a long one. So you know Paul George very well, and he was outspoken about his mental health issues last year. I don't discount that. I've seen firsthand the emotional havoc those things can play on people. Uh, I don't know what was going on in prior years as far as beyond last year, his struggles. But I watch him in this series, particularly watching him the other night, and he really looks at the top of his game. And when he's at the top of his game, man, he is a top 10 player in the league. You see him at the top of his game right now? Yeah, I do. Uh, and, you know, you know, just to speak to, to that, and I mean, he, he got beat up pretty good. And, and, you know, the difference is, you know, 20 years ago, guys probably didn't care a whole lot about that. It didn't matter. We didn't have social media. And, these guys are so connect, connected to social media that, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm fearful that you know they're all reading this stuff. And I, I know Paul. Paul's a young man that is a great teammate, and and then you can hear his teammates, the Clippers, say that. I mean, he's close to these guys. They they like him. You know, he's he's a he's a kind person, but he is a sensitive guy. And uh, I think that's the the biggest thing for me. I mean, I pull for Paul because obviously I coached him and I know him. And he, he's a really good human being, and and he gets ripped since the play, since the, the bubble issues last year and other other issues prior to in the playoffs. He hasn't played his best, and uh, it, it's got to be a really good feeling for him to, to kind of have some break. I mean, he's played good in this series. I mean, it's not like he hasn't played well. He played and not just the the, the last game, but he's played well, and so I, I hope that his head's in the right place and that he can feel good about who he is and play the best he can. Uh, but I, I think that it is the best basketball. I, I, wouldn't, I watched him play in Indiana. I was living in Indiana at that time. And I, was, I was serving a mission back there, and I went to four or five of his games. And I mean, he, play, he played good in Indiana. I mean, you know, he was loose and young and, and had a lot of confidence. Uh, they, you know, obviously, Indiana didn't have great success in the playoffs, but it still uh, – it, it, it was – it just didn't seem to be that much attention paid to him you know, as a younger player. And, of course, you know, he, he got hurt, and who knows how you recover from those things. But I, I know this. He is, a, he is a great human being. And uh, for, so I want him to succeed. I want him to, to play well and have a good – I mean, that's just how I feel. I mean, he's kind of like part of my family. But at the end of the day, he, he's got to play that well for the Clippers to, to beat the Jazz, both he and uh, 
to why I have to play at a very, very high level. And if you look at this game, you know, the difference is that Batum goes for 17, you know. that That's huge. Beverly and Mann score 14 between them. And well, actually 20 points off the bench. All of those things have to happen, whether it be at home or on the road, for the Clippers to beat the Jazz. Because the Jazz are just so potent offensively. And, you know, you talk about it a lot more there than, than I'm thinking about it. But, you know, not having Conley is, is a major issue. And if, it doesn't look like he's going to play. But I think he comes back to play the last three games and two of them are at home with Conley, and Mitchell doesn't have a serious injury, then, then I think you have to feel like the Jazz have a great opportunity to get to the Western Finals. So, PK and I always go round and round about this, and it's, uh, it's a perfect question to go round and round about, so I don't know if you can settle it or not, but when you see how well the Jazz shoot in Game 2 and win, and you see how well the Clippers shoot in Game 3, how much of that do you put on the opposing defense not contesting shots enough, not playing with enough energy, and how much of that is NBA guys are freakishly talented, and when they get locked in, it doesn't matter how much the shot's contested? Well, I think part of the fact is you're right. I mean, when they get locked in, it doesn't matter. All these guys are great players, obviously, and even those that don't get to play. You see this in games where subs come in and go, well, who is this guy? I don't know this guy. You know, he doesn't get – I've not even heard of him. And he comes in, well, you don't get into the league unless you're a pretty good player to start with, whether you're playing a lot of minutes or not, and guys develop. And, you know, and for guys coming off the bench especially uh, when they're at home and uh, or even on the road and nobody's kind of paying attention to them, there's not nearly as much pressure on those guys. But, I, you know, I, I, I think that because we know they're great and talented and that they have the ability to make contested shots, um, you know, a lot, a lot of it comes down to schemes. There's no question. I mean, you watch, I don't know if you watched the Phoenix game last night, but uh, obviously Chris Paul was amazing in that game. But, man, the defensive schemes <laughs> where they're going under, and, I mean, he had seven or eight, you know, little 15 mid-range shots. There, there was no one within eight feet of him. And uh, so schemes are important. And I think, you know, I think the Clippers doubled you know, Donovan Mitchell the other night, they try to take the ball out of his hands to just disrupt him. And that being said, it maybe keeps him from and getting 40 instead of, you know, and he gets 30 instead of he gets 40, he's still going to score. But So schemes are important. I think for the Clippers, they have to be aggressive with Donovan Mitchell. They have to throw two people at him. And when they can do that at home, when Bogdanovich and others, uh, you know, don't shoot the ball as well on the road as they do at home. And so those things work. And that same thing, doubling Donovan Mitchell at home, where Ingles and Bogdanovich and Connolly, if he plays, and Royce O'Neal, who's become a pretty good shooter. I, I, I never thought that he would be as good a shooter as he is. But at home, when you do those kind of schemes, it kind of backfires sometimes because guys shoot the ball well in their own gym. But at the end of the day, on the road, they're taking the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands or not giving him just direct pass to the rim. Uh, other guys have to make shots. And, and you know what? They, they didn't. They didn't. You know, Bogdanovich and, and even Clarkson, you know, I mean, they had off-night shooting, which they may not have had those at home. But, but certainly the, the, they had them in, in L.A. And so sometimes even though the schemes are good, uh, they, they work even better when you're at home than they do on the road. You think you can find a way to get Gobert involved more offensively? Obviously, he's not a big focal point, but maybe if they can find a way to get him closer to 20, that can help their cause. You know, it's, it's interesting because he, he, it seems that they defer, and, and you've watched them play a lot more than I have, but, I mean, I've never seen the guy post up. 
I mean, he does, he seldom does that. And, and, I, and I know he's critical to all the ball screen action, but it, it seems like you can have a big little, you know, you can have a little screen on a big, get, slip him in there, and, uh, you know, they're not going to, you know, they, they may switch or double him if he gets a catch, but, yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be any at real action for him. He gets what he gets from rebounds and from slips on screens and those kinds of things, uh, or in transition, you know, at the rim. But I, I do believe, I mean, he's, seen, he's been in the league long enough, I'm sure he's got a skill set down there that uh, you could put a little pressure on a team. You know, the Lakers are playing small. And, I mean, they're playing, you know, I mean, Zubak gets, he's getting minutes, but they're, they're starting Batum. I mean, they're, they're, they're all about 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, Why not try to get him into the low post and maybe some screen action for him, guard, you know, little on big and uh, see if you can get him another six or eight points because I'm sure, I mean, once he gets around the rim, he's pretty crafty. And, but there's, I just haven't seen much of that action watching the jazz ever with Gobert. I mean, he kind of gets what he gets in the flow of the game. And if he doesn't, he still impacts the game because he, you know, he defends the rim so well and he, and he rebounds so well, but I, I agree. It, he, there's probably some things you could do. Uh, five, six, eight times a game where you, you run some quick hitters coming out of timeouts and get the ball to Gobert down low because nobody else is really posting up. Well, he did do it early in his career, and they used to give him like a couple possessions in the first quarter, usually in the first three to four minutes, and uh, the math on that, it didn't go very well. So they've, they've gone away from it all of this season. And uh, really haven't gone back. How long it. ago was that that they did La- that? Last, when he first got into the league. Uh, before the, the last year or two. No, it was uh, up until the pandemic stopped everything. Okay. So I, I think they did it early last season. For that, they certainly did it two seasons ago, and I think they did it last year before the pandemic stopped everything. But you know, you know it's, it's dog years, so that feels like seven years ago now. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, the thing, thing about it is this: is that I, I mean, you, you you've got a game plan. And, and and you got all the action that you run, but all the dead ball timeouts, those kind, of, you know, there's a lot of those in the game where you can initially go into him and and see if you get something out of timeouts or with dead ball situations or out of free throw situations, um, because you know that's that's some easy points. I mean, I, you, I, they may just double him. You know, you, let's say take a smaller guard that comes over and cross screens or down screens for him. He curls, comes off of it, or just getting into the post. And I don't. I haven't watched him enough to know if he's good over his left shoulder or good over. His, he's probably probably better over his right shoulder. But uh, I, I'd have a you know four or five things that you could do for him during the course of the game when maybe it's been difficult getting a basket and you want to get in, inside or get another opposing post player in foul trouble. You know that that's the thing is that no, normally you know bigs get other teams bigs in foul trouble by going to them. And that's a, you know, there's a there's a benefit to them, and especially when the you know the Clippers are starting everybody's six seven six eight, but uh, not not and they're all athletic enough and physical enough to probably guard him. But I don't know. I I if uh, if I had a team, I had a guy like that, I think that I would use him six or seven times a game where I try maybe coming out of dead balls to get him a quick hitter. If not, you know you you run your normal action. But I'm not saying if he becomes a central part of their offense. I'm just saying that he could probably score three or four more baskets if some things were run for him. Reggie Jackson been shooting real well and has been a little bit of a difference maker here. Uh, they didn't win the one game, but they did in game three. 
What do you do with the uh, with a player like that who's a role player, but all of a sudden has found his touch? As far as the Jazz perspective, how do you handle it? You know, I mean, obviously the Heat's got their full attention now, and uh, you, you think. I mean, I watched the uh, the game before where Pat, you know, Patrick Beverly took two. Or, you know, when the game was competitive and tight, and he takes two or three shots, and and Patrick Beverly has a role on that team, but he can't play extended minutes because he can't he can't score. You know, and if if there's if there's nothing on the line, you know, he, he may make an occasional three. But he's he's way better for the Clippers than Patrick Beverly ever was. And and you know, Rajon Rondo is really not even playing either because he has a hard time, more a more difficult time guarding. Rondo is really good offensively, but with Jackson coming in and shooting the ball, he gives him a third score. And and that's why that game got away. I mean, you had Batum. And Jackson, Jackson obviously has been playing well, but he had four of those guys all play really well offensively, and that's going to happen at home. I mean, Batum wasn't, you know, he's seven or eight at, you know, in Utah when he played six or seven points, and here he's 17 and making threes. So uh, I, I do like Jackson, and I think that he, he plays with energy. He's got some toughness to him, uh, you know, because that's been the weakest point of, of the Jazz. Excuse me of the of the Clippers is that they just their point guard play has been so up and down, and uh, having him there now makes them much more difficult to defend, and it gives them another shooter. And Kennard's, you know, the thing about Kennard is he'll come in and he can score. And obviously that I think it was the first game they played where they used him in ball screens and just abused him the whole game. And I, they I saw where they made that adjustment. They made some adjustments. The Clippers did uh, w- with Kennard and. And because uh, the Jazz are going to always attack him with Don. I mean, first of all, nobody can really guard Donovan Mitchell, no matter who they are. But it, it certainly Kawhi or Paul or others have a better chance of doing that than, than a Luke Kennard. So, you know, they've, they've made some adjustments. The Clippers made some adjustments because they were really vulnerable there. And, uh, and, and Donovan's going to get his. But the, the difference is you make adjustments, and instead of getting 40, he gets 30. And that can be the difference between winning and losing. Are the Nets done? I mean, they were up 2-0 and won by 49 points, and Milwaukee's got playoff failures pretty recently, so it was just easy for me to assume, well, the Bucks are cooked. And now it's 2-2, and Kyrie Irving is hurt with a sprained ankle. Apparently he's in a walking boot on crutches. Uh, ABC and ESPN were reporting that. And the series is 2-2, and Harden's still got a strained hamstring. I, 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 I mean, I don't see how – I mean – Kevin Durant is a special guy, and at home they can probably, you know, they, they do they have home court. They probably have home court advantage, don't they? Over the, the, the Nets do. The Nets have games yeah, five yeah. and seven at home. It's two two. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's their only hope that you know Kevin Durant goes for forty and and they're able to do that. But I I think the Bucks have gotten way more confident. Although I, I will tell you this, it's hard for me to watch Giannis just continually take his five or six or seven threes. Thinking that that he's going to develop that game, man. Let's wait till the preseason next year before you start trying to figure that out. And uh, it just, I, I just don't. I mean, the guy contributes and does so many things, and and maybe they feel like the coaching staff feels like, well, he's entitled to have a few threes. He does everything else for us, but man, oh man, the numbers tell you that that's not a good shot for him right now. And uh, so I, you know, I like the Bucks winning that thing uh, if, if, if Harden and Kyrie don't come back because. You know, you're in a situation now where, middle, you know, having Middleton and Holiday and Giannis, uh, and and what what can you say about Tucker? Uh, man, what a warrior! 
funny those two played against each other. I've forgotten that. And uh, but uh, you know, if those two guys don't come back, the Nets don't the Nets don't win this thing. I mean, they get beat by the Bucks. And uh, but we'll see. I mean, Kevin Durant's capable of carrying the team at home, but um, it doesn't look good. It, it doesn't look good. And and uh, you know, they'll that would be a shame for the Nets considering the, all the pieces they had in place, but uh, that's the nature of this game. So if if neither one of those guys come back, I, I see the Bucks winning this thing. I think they're going to be more confident, and, uh, and, they, and they just got more size and more athleticism than the Nets have. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see how this plays out and talk to you yeah, it'll be, it'll, next it'll week. It'll be right. over. Yes, sir. Hey, you guys have a great week yourself. Take care. All right. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. All right, Steve Cleveland, next week, PK. We will have a winner. The Western Finals will be set. I actually thought about that this morning, how this week is such an important week in jazz history. I was, you know, you're driving in, you're thinking about what you're going to talk about and all that's, that stuff. It, it, on the surface, the, the immediate reaction is in jazz history. That's overblown, what you said earlier about being the prisoner of the moment and the recency bias. But Justin Zanuck on talking sports, and, and, and I asked him about the evolution of the team, right? Four years ago, you know, they had a close call with the playoffs. It was time to push the chips to the middle and bring in the vets, and they did, and they got to the playoffs. And two years ago, after that loss in Houston, they had to have more shooting. They couldn't play three on five. And last year, they had to address the bench, and they didn't wait for the trade deadline. It was an obvious problem, and they brought in Jordan Clarkson, right? So how is it evolving now? What are you seeing? He said, we're still getting data points. You can't say now that the things that are going to happen that help shape our decision, some of them have happened, but some of them still have to happen. So, to his point, <laughs> this is the week. You know, guys come through, concepts work, schemes work, players deliver, don't deliver. It's yeah. all there. And if they win it, then that means another, another best four out of seven with the Suns in the conference final, more data points. And what does that tell you? Parade. Please, more data points. <laughs> Parade is le- extremely legitimate if they get through this week. Ooh. It is. Sons, it is, without question. You're in the conference final, especially if the Nets are out. Holy cow. Uh, but you're 0-3 against the Suns, and the Suns are playing their best basketball. You follow it closer than the rest of us because you've got family there. Have the Suns played better this year? No. No, as we spoke of Paul George's confidence as he takes the floor tonight, he should never be more confident same thing with literally every single member of the Suns. Of course, if the Jazz win this but, and then they're playing the Suns, would the Jazz have the most confidence they've had all year? Even which, more than when they ever. won one out of 20 out of 21. I would think so. So that's a good point, too. So you have confidence versus confidence. It's like you and I in the morning show, confidence versus confidence. <laughs> but somehow cockiness wins out. Always. Who has that? All hail Jersey! <laughs> I want to ask you about that. What? Somebody, who was it? Was it, uh, maybe it was, was it Yach? Somebody said something about that New York, no, it was a caller, I think. The New York, it was a caller. New York mindset. It is was there, Robert the, is the there a, wants to take the cake. Yes. Is there a difference between the Jersey mindset and the New York mindset? Well, I mean, not to us out here, but to people back there. Did they say there's a difference? Or people just moving back and forth. It's all one metropolitan yeah. area. It well, doesn't it, matter. It is one metropolitan area on the north side of the state. Right. Uh, 
But I, I just wonder if, if you said something. Yeah, but see, New York, you deal with those rich folks from Connecticut. Right. New Jersey, we're grinders. <laughs> so it's a different level of cockiness. Okay, but, but Brooklyn's got a different mentality than Manhattan. And my grandmother... Brooklyn's got some grinders, in too. in Brooklyn right. when I was a kid. We would visit her quite often in Brooklyn. And, yeah, I, I identify with the Brooklynites. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to get another golfer. It's the You Win a Golf U.S. Open giveaway. Be caller number 12 right now, and you will be assigned Louis Oosthuizen. There it is. And if Louie wins, you will receive a Callaway staff bag. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Assigning all the top 25 players and a 26th entrant will get the field. Callaway staff bag is the big prize if your golfer wins. Louie, right now, 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12 at 855-340-ZONE. Well, look who made an appearance. Paul George! Kawhi Leonard! Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have some fight in them after all. Let's go! Our Utah Jazz look to leave Los Angeles up 3-1 after Monday night. In the lane, high off the glass and in, Donovan Mitchell. I will never back down! Game 4 tips off at 8 p.m. I will never back down! The Jazz Live pregame show begins at 7. I will never back down! On your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. I will never back down! 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Shortly after the loss of the, the Jazz to the Bulls, my brother actually asked Brian Russell, why don't you buy a car from Stockton to Malone Honda? The answer, because you'll never see the title. Paul George has the emotional maturity of a spoiled six-year-old. Use your phone. Use the Zone app. The open mic feature. Send us your take, your audio. The emotional maturity of a six-year-old. I get it. Sports and you don't like guys a on the other team. Six-year-old. Spoiled six-year-old. Some, Thank and you. Six-year-old. I was not a balance. Tough. When I was when I was in second grade at six, I was mentally tough. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's good. So I wasn't spoiled. There was nothing. They had nothing to spoil me with. It uh, seems like there's a little uh, emotional maturity and focus happening. He's been shooting the ball better each with each passing game here and had a really good game in Game 3. Game 1 was was bad. Game 2 was okay, and Game 3 was really good. Well, I think Joe just needs to come out and call him a Nimrod, and that'll throw him completely <laughs> off his game. A Nimrod. <laughs> Yuck, when's the last time either you called someone a Nimrod or someone called you a Nimrod, or anyone in your presence was called a yeah, Nimrod? Here's the thing. The last time I heard that term used in everyday life was my grandmother, and she's since passed, but yes, it's been many, many years. Your grandmother called someone a Nimrod? She yeah. used Nimrod all the time. Hilarious. Yeah, see? You're so out of touch. His grandmother is dead. This has not been used in 30 years. She's not dead. She hasn't been gone dead. that long. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. She's been gone how long, Yak? Let's see. Uh, 15 years. Okay. So it's 15 years since she passed away, but she got locked into that phrase, not the last week of her life, so it was a big deal 30 years ago. Or 40. I don't know. And it worked. It did work. So we need to figure out what, get on your app right now. What's the best insult you can give Paul George? Because we've got to throw him off his game because All right, he's playing there it is. well. Insults for Paul George. Are we, should yeah. we be saving this for the Wednesday game? <laughs> should we be, well, we'll warm up now. Insults for well, Paul yeah, George. Yeah. We'll warm up turns now. over. It's 937. Yeah. I say Joe comes out, 
Paul, you're a Nimrod. Nanner, nanner, nanner. I'm telling you. He's going to say, what? That phrase hasn't been used for 40 freaking years. What are you thinking, Joe? <laughs> Boom. See, he's all caught up in the timeline of the phrase, and that immediately throws him off. I just don't know that Joe has the time and attention for all these players, because Joe's been getting into it with Patrick Beverly, too. Beverly's, he's nothing anymore. Why waste your time with his part-time guy? Ben? All Beverly does is bark. Yeah, just forget him. He's not a significant enough factor. He's yeah. like a little dust on he's, your shoulder. You a, just brush a, it off. He's a role guy with Reggie Jackson. And he's a reduced role guy 16, now. 16 minutes. No, I think you were. The two guys I'm worried about the most are Reggie Jackson and Nimrod George. <laughs> So we got to throw him off his game. I mean, it used to be, you know, your mama wears combat boots, but I don't know if that's going to work anymore. Nope. Nope. Need some new material. Uh, so I'm thinking right now, we got to, it's weak, but the leader in the clubhouse is Paul, you're Nimrod. They're really going to update it. It's going to be about uh, Instagram and TikTok videos. Those are ugly tats. What were you thinking? Of all the tats, why did you get those? Those tats suck. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> Joe comes up behind him. Of all the tats. Right. <laughs> Look at our boy Jordan Clarkson over here. Now, those are some tats. You want tats? These are great tats. And you got to be careful when you're saying that, by the way. <laughs> but those, It could go wrong. It could go wrong. Those are great tats. You want tats? You don't want this Christmas tree over here. Look at them needles. They ain't, now this is a Christmas tree. What do you think's going on with Jordan Clarkson? I mean, is it just the randomness of games? What do you mean? Well, against the Grizzlies, who don't have the defensive rep of the Clippers, he shoots 23% from three. When's Jordan going to show up in the playoffs? Oh, He's shooting 51%. That's why I don't go and run the defense. So you draw that direct line, which drives me nuts. So he just got so, locked in. Sometimes you're hot. Shooting isn't not is not a permanent thing, particularly now with the long distance shooting, especially with Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, and he's not a pure shooter no. anyway. He's, he's more a scorer. He's a scorer. So when you factor all those things, he's a scorer. I know. I heard that too, but I was going to let it go. <laughs> I know you don't. It's not your nature to let anything go, though. I don't listen. I don't let anything go in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that scorer term is actually an inside joke with a buddy of mine. That's an inside joke. He and his buddy now are taking over the show, DJ. He, I know he's listening. He's, he's listening. Thank you. At least we got one. All right. <laughs> got one. <laughs> So we need to insult Paul George. Got to throw him off his game. If there's been anything about this series, though, it's uh, with Clarkson. It's that he hasn't been getting to the hoop for very many of those uh, layups, twisting, turning, uh, horse shots he shoots inside eight feet. Well, haven't seen many of those. He's got four two-point buckets. And that's, that's very interesting. 16 three-point buckets. But I would agree, the analysis, what you said, the analysis of his game, he is more a scorer than a shooter. But in this series, he's been a shooter. He has not attempted a free throw in this series. And he usually gets the line pretty well. And maybe that's something they can work on. I mean, because they smart, they're starting small across the front with Morris and Batum. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> 
Jordan Clarkson was 21 for 21 at the free throw line against yeah. the Grizzlies. 100% over five That's games. That's perfect. Right? And now he hasn't shot a free throw. The <laughs> <laughs> scatter report from Ty Lue and the Clipper assistants. Well, the good thing about Don't it, foul that guy. He's still 21 to 21. He His is. His percentage hasn't gone the down. streak lives. 21 straight <laughs> postseason free throws. Yeah. I have to take it back to last year. I don't know what he did in the bubble. It's always me trying to find the bright spot, and I do it so well. That is uh, really the essence of you. You are Nimrod. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Boo-hoo. Oh, my gosh. What? I just looked it up. What do you got? He was 10 for 10 at the free throw line against the Nuggets last year. Against the Nuggets in the bubble. I gotcha. I know what you're talking about. that's 31 in a row at the free throw line. (laughs) What is going on? Oh, it's it's after 930. (laughs) I'm trying to act enthusiastic right along with you. You got all excited. And if I was saying, what they freaking do? Yeah. You would have felt disrespected. He got worked up. I got fired up. He got excited. I got thrilled. And all of a sudden, everyone's pumped up. The bottom line is, I care a great deal about Honey and the Kids. (laughs) I care about Honey and the Kids. Oh, okay. (laughs) And the cats. All right. (laughs) And the servants. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And... Truth be told, I care greatly about Channel 2. I'm hurt badly, but I still care. Oh, you'll be back. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Uh, what am I, Arnold? Yeah. Yeah, basically, Arnold. that's it. Am yes. I Arnold? You are. Arnold? Yes. Say it that way. Arnold. <laughs> to the char- To the chopper! <laughs> go, Chargers, go! Go find that on YouTube. Uh... <laughs> that was... Him standing in the middle of the now torn down stadium. Go, Chargers, go! And the crowd's roaring. What a country. Right? How do we have Arnold and today the Donald, who's celebrating his 75th birthday. No idea. Can't As the it. leader of the, is it the most popular state? Yeah. And then the leader of the country. What a crazy, crazy world. There you go. Yeah. All right, uh, mostly it's been jazz today to catch you up to date, but the one thing that wasn't jazz was the injury to Kyrie Irving, the stunning turn of events. Milwaukee going home down 0-2 after a 49-point playoff loss, and now it's 2-2, and Irving's badly sprained his ankle, walking boot and crutches, doesn't appear to play in Game 5, and what's already a wide-open playoff could be an even wider open playoff what if such a thing is possible. Story years ago, what was it? You'll remember it. Somebody got slaughtered. Was it the Lakers or the? No, it was a Memorial Day massacre. The Lakers oh, who went got to the Cel- the Lakers got worked by the Celtics, but they won the title and then won the title in six. Yes, I was working in Santa Barbara, and two guys who had worked had interned for the Lakers in their PR department, and then ended up doing sports information in Santa Barbara were moaning and groaning when I walked in. To the what was then the trailer was the office. The office is in this trailer, and I'm like, it's one game, one bench dude hit ten three pointers. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. No, it's over. They can't beat them, and they'd lost to them. Uh, Who's they? The, the The Lakers had lost to the Celtics in '84. Uh, so the, was it the prior year? You're yes, saying? in the prior year, and then in Game One on Memorial Day. The Celtics just annihilated like one forty-eight like to one hundred four, something like that. Close to fifty. Yeah. Huh. It, it was a massive blowout. 
And then the Jazz in one of the finals, didn't they get slaughtered and yeah. came back and won the next game? No, they lost the next game. That was against the Bulls in 98. They lost. They won game one. They lost game two in overtime when they could have, would have, shed the ball won. in the lead with a minute to go and lost the game. And, and everyone calls the game six and the game two. That's where they really messed the series up. But then they went to Chicago, didn't answer the bell, lost, and Sloan in the Jordan documentary, they oh, pulled yeah, up his yeah, post yeah, game. Yeah, 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 is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Is that the final score? Yeah. Is this, <laughs> is this for the whole game? Because he doesn't want right. to rip his team when they're right. vulnerable, but he needs yeah. to make the point. This yeah, is unacceptable. If you funny. lose, you lose. If the other guy's better. But this is unacceptable. you got to compete. And so he makes a point, with like, and he's getting huge laughs, and right. he knew exactly what he was doing. And so they lost game four but competed. Then Malone went for 39 and they won game five and they came back for the game everybody remembers. Okay, so they lost the next two games. So that's yeah. three in a row. Yep. Yeah, which is supposed to be hard to do in the playoffs. And then one game it five happens occasionally. Games. And game yeah. six was Jordan, was that the last game here? Yes. He hits the, yep. makes a steal, hits a shot. Yeah. So the point being, margin of victory, margin of defeat sometimes has no bearing on the final outcome of right. the series. Exactly. I think it can work the other way because it can give one team a false sense of security and it can really motivate another team. And sometimes it breaks teams, but sometimes it really motivates them. And the Bucks bounced back from a 49-point loss to win game three. And they had a chance. If you watch that game, they had a chance to choke it away. And I mean, that if they was were going to Irving and Durant. They st- yes, and they they started out. They were up like thirty to eleven, and the place was rocking and rolling. And that's weathered the storm, and yeah. it was close by halftime. And the Bucks had to grind the whole second half, and they could have flinched and lost. It would have been easy, but they won. And then Irving goes down in the second quarter, and they they win again. So you never know. All right, DJ and PK, final word coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I witnessed a lot of angry Jazz fans about that game last night. I'm still more mad about those two losses to Minnesota than I am about last night. Well, we played a pretty good game. And Donovan injured and all. We got this series. We got it. Hey, Paul, the ocean called. They want their shrimp back. (laughs) I don't. I don't get it. You got that one, PK? Oh, yeah, I got it. See, he went to the ocean, and he took the shrimp. And now the ocean's mad, and they want the shrimp returned. You follow me? Nope, nope, really don't get it. <laughs> Still lost. Yak, did you get it? No, I, I, I trust me, I, if I knew what now, it was. See, there's this big body of water at the end of the country, the continental, okay. right? And in it, it has shrimp. You see what I'm saying? Nope. <laughs> And so Paul, on the yacht, goes out there, he throws the net over, and what does he get? He gets the shrimp. He takes the shrimp, and he goes back to the land, the dry land. You follow me? No. Now, on a dry land, he's got the shrimp. It's like that guy out in Maine that supposedly got uh, swallowed by a whale over the weekend and got spit back out. Which I don't believe that, by the way. I saw that story. And they show him limping. Get out of town. Not buying it either. No. What is he? He's he's in our job? Is that the guy? No, it's In the Old Testament? Jonah, but you know. He got swallowed up. He's now Job? The patience of Job, Jonah and the whale, but let's move on. Are they brothers? 
Series now 2-1 of the Jazz in trouble. Question of the day, and Bud says yes. Even in Utah's two wins, L.A. outplayed the Jazz, got better oh, shots. Oh, they did not. Jazz just happened to hit a lot of tough shots while L.A. shot poorly. Neither trend was sustainable. And with both reverting to the mean, it's a tough matchup for the Jazz. Well, he is really mean if he thinks that. Get out of town. What was his name? Bud. Well, this Bud isn't for you, buddy boy. Rob says that the Jazz in trouble. Yeah, they're not winning if the Jazz are healthy. The Jazz are winning me. if they're not healthy. Not if the Man, Jazz really are healthy. Suck. No, if the Jazz are healthy, they win. If they're not, they lose. <laughs> Mac will be back. Mike, Alex, Conley. <laughs> Mac will be back, and I, for one, will be jacked. <laughs> and you can take that to the bank. <laughs> Glad you're entertaining yourself. What? That's the point, isn't it? Think I do this for anybody else? Oh my gosh! And now we've been sent a photo by Ute Shasta Trailer. What? It actually is a real thing. What is the Water Smeet High School Nimrods? I win again. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent a photo. There's the coach in a tie, and there's the basketball team. And number 15, it clearly says Nimrods where, right across. Where the is this? What state it's is in this? Michigan? Michigan. Watersmeet, Michigan. What is the backstory there? Well, Michigan also has a city named Hell. So, and I've been there in the winter. It is. All right, the Nimrods, there it is. Yeah, see? And you, right now. (laughs) Watersmeet School District, home of the Nimrods. Grandma Hatch is rolling over in her grave. Oh, my gosh. Grandma Melville, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, Grandma Melville. It's the maternal line. Show some respect. I guess, I guess wrong. (laughs) That's okay. 50-50 chance. (laughs) And that's funny because it, Mike Trout is from Millville. Let's just put it this way. Grandma Melville and PK would have been like yeah. tight. We both think DJ was an Nimrod and is an Nimrod. <laughs> there you go. Why well, you got to be like that? Because you are. You made fun of me. You scoffed when I said Nimrod. It's as current as today. I'm going to get some gear. I'm going to get the Nimrod's gear. I'm going to go online at the bookstore and buy me some Nimrod's. <laughs> <laughs> It's in the UP, up there by Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They're probably all Packer fans. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Coming up next, it's Hans and Scotty, except it's not Hans. There's a surprise co-host. Stick around, find out who next. Stay with us.